The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 This is Joey Osborne. And Blanco Loco. And we are live on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Try saying that four times when you've had one too many drinks. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here alongside the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be discussing nights 11 through 15 of the G1 Climax 28, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show and network by subscribing on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get the podcast and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. Also, make sure you check out our friends at purezuroad.com. They have a lot of great Puro coverage and reviews and podcasts up there, including our podcast. So check those guys out at purezuroad.com. All right, young boy. So um, July is over. We're in August. So before we uh, jump into the nights that we need to kind of talk about, I think it's we got to name our uh, July Wrestler of the Month and July Match of the Month. Yeah, so I mean, I would say that this might be the most significant wrestler and match of the month. Well, maybe not match of the month, but wrestler of the month of the whole year because it's right in the meatiest part of the G1 Climax. You right. know what I mean, uh, going into August, I think we have a, a few nights. And that's probably gonna, that's going to be huge, and obviously, you know, the best is yet to come with the G1 climax. So we still have a, you know, all of August coming. But I mean, July is just a juggernaut of a month when it comes to match output, match quality. So I mean, it, it almost feels like this this month alone weighs more than like let's say a March. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. During like the uh, what was it New Beginning or something? Uh, yeah. 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 Like a like a road like a road to New Beginning tour. Or yeah. Like yeah. A Sakura Genesis, <laughs> Kazuna Road. Kazuna Road tour. Yeah. Like, it's not the same. You know what I mean? Um, and it's been fantastic. Oh yeah, this would be an excellent G one tournament. Several high caliber matches. Um, I mean, this is probably going to be one of our toughest months deciding the match and the wrestler. In a way, it is, and in a way, it's not. Yeah. In a way, like we didn't have to like go back and rewatch stuff and discuss. And I don't think that our opinions here are gonna even be that controversial. Versal, <laughs> versal. Uh, what a reversal! <laughs> no, I think that people listening are probably like they probably know who the wrestler of the month is gonna be. I think right. that one will be a little bit more you know up in the air. But I think match of the month is open and shut case. Yeah. Really. 
Um, so what do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with Wrestler of the Month. So that's that's pretty much, I'm sure everybody's probably already guessed it by now. And uh, unanimous decision, the Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii, the yeah. Japanese best bout machine. The best bout machine. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, man. Um, and, and we could have gone a few other ways. I mean, there's several guys that have been having incredible G1 tournaments right now. Not only that, but we also had to factor in... You know, the G1 special in San Francisco, as well as the Rev Pro slash New Japan shows over in the UK. Well, not not all of them, just the first, or I'm sorry, just the second night. Yeah. Because the first, the last night, or I'm sorry, the first night of those shows took place, uh, what, at the end of June? Right, I think it was like, was it June 30th or something like that? Yeah, and so the last night just made the cutoff, and I think that's one of the things that really kind of put Tomohiro Ishii over you know, over the top because not only is this guy having an incredible G1, but that match he had with with uh, Suzuki over the British Championship. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you've got that, and then like what? Like let's talk about the matchup that this guy's had. So yeah, I mean, in the G1 there was the uh, the match of Goto. I mean, that was like a strong style banger right there. Um, the Ibushi match. Um, the Zack Saber, the match. Zach Saber Jr. match, the Yano match. Yeah, I mean the, that was probably one of the best Yano matches of the whole tournament. Yeah, probably. Um, um, yeah, I mean Tomohiro Ishii. Now the one knock on him is he hasn't been in the main event. You know he ha- like for the majority of these cards. I don't know if he's main evented a single card, has he? I don't think. To remember. Wait, yeah, wasn't the the Goto match? Wasn't the Goto, the Goto match might have been a main yeah. event, yeah. But uh, and may- that was in Kirk and Hall, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, Ishii, we've talked about before. He's not at the top of the card. He's their utility guy. He fits a role like Cesaro did a couple years ago. Right. You know what I mean? Like he, he's what Vince McMahon would call a good hand. He's a good hand. He's a B plus player. <laughs> you know, he, he's an upper mid card guy. Right. He's an important guy, but you know, he has his role and he's got a glass ceiling and he's not going to break it. And even through all that, he's putting on the best performances night in and night out than over anybody. Now, I, if if there are people who could say, well, what about Omega and what about Ibushi? You know, and to a lesser extent, I guess you could even say, what about Zack Sabre and what about Naito and even Goto? That just shows you how stacked B Block is, yeah, I mean, you know, all together. Yeah. But for my money, when you factor in everything that that these guys have done, um, I think I think Ibushi and and maybe even to a greater extent, I think the thing is, I was really torn. I thought maybe I might want to go with Omega. Yes. Because he defended the belt, um, you know, against Cody successfully in a great match, and then, you know, went straight into the G one, and he's been at the top of the card. He's un- he was undefeated until just very recently, and all of July he was undefeated. So he's having a legendary tournament, and he's putting out, you know, quality match after quality match after quality match. My my biggest thing though is that for every every single Ishii match has stuck out in my mind throughout the entire tour. Like yeah. I, I I don't think except for maybe like. Maybe the Tomatonga match, and even the, that's probably even the best. That's that was the best that, that was the best. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Yeah. That was one of the best Tomatonga matches of the of the whole tour. Yeah, I don't think they even happened in July. But just to kind of give you a background, like he's putting on like a legendary. Like if if I have to talk about, and we're gonna get to, it, but you know, last year we talked about the MVP of the G1 climax, and everyone talked about how it was a, uh, um, 
like Yuji Nagata, you know, yeah. match after match after match. That's that's Ishii this year. Like we talked about it before, he didn't have to go this hard, right? So he is. Yes, that man loves wrestling. You can just tell in the body of his work, and he goes out there and gives a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent every time, and he's having these epic, legendary battles that we're going to be talking about for the rest of the year and years to come a lot of his matches are going to be probably on the ballot for match of the year when we do our keeping it strong style year end awards yeah man I mean when you talk about like the top 10 matches from this tournament almost like half of them have Ishii on them the Ibushi match the Goto match uh the Omega match, which was in in, in in August, but even the Naito match, the Saber match, then you factor in also the, the Rev Pro stuff. The Rev Pro match he had with Suzuki. Um, the only real knock you could have on him is like he didn't really have a banger with uh, with Yano, but really nobody has, and right. you, you know what you're getting there. And then um, the fact that he didn't have a high profile match at the G1 in San Francisco, but when you put his body work up against Ibushi's or Omegas taking nothing away from them and it is very close he's the guy he's he's the performer of the tournament right now and man and definitely i mean we've been saying this for months now i mean since we started the podcast one of the best sellers on the new japan roster right now man yep yep so um congratulations uh to tomohiro ishii he is our wrestler of the month for july yeah good. and and he might be for august too we don't know yet. yeah still a few more uh matches from him um, so speaking of matches, the match of the month. Okay. So the match of the month is this legendary battle between Tomohiro Ishii and um, Kota Ibushi, man. Yeah, dude. 16 <sighs> minutes of hell, fury, and war. Dude, I freaking loved that match. That was a talk about epic encounters, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Like, I don't even know how to, like, Describe how awesome that match was. I mean, you had everything you could want in a match, man. The hard hits, the strikes, the high-flying maneuvers, uh, blood. Um, yeah, I mean, something about it just really was, for me, was reminiscent of his match with Nakamura. Just, like, the strong style nature of it. The, like, how freaking... They're killing each other, man. Yeah, they're killing each other, <laughs> and um, you know, I, I, when we, I listened back to our review of it, and I was like, man, we, I never even talked about like the throat punches from Kota Bushi. Oh yeah, when he was punching like, uh, you know, Ishii in the throat, and then when Ishii was was chopping him in the throat. I mean, this was just like sixteen minutes of brutality, and it was perfect, and. It 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 does shine out to me as one of the best matches I've seen this entire year. Yeah, incredible stuff. So yeah. Ishii, and I mean, and this thing had to compete with Goto and Ishii. It had to compete with uh, Kenny Omega and Goto. Kenny and Naito. Kenny and Naito. I mean, a lot of a lot of like really 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 top caliber stuff, you know, throughout that month. Um, but I would say that this was the best one of, of the entire tournament so far. Yeah. In that month. Yeah. It's been incredible stuff. And we'll talk a little, little bit more about some of his other matches when we go through. And we're talking about it like beating like five-star rated matches. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there's other months where we're like, was that four and a half star match better than that four and three quarter star match? I don't we're know. like, is this five-star match better than this five-star <laughs> match? And for some reason it does stick out to me like, you know, 
I don't know. I won't. I don't. I won't get into a star rating like <laughs> debate here. But I'll say this. I think uh, Ishii. He heard uh, our brother Rich Latta. Nobody's got time for four star matches. Nobody's got time for four and a quarter, <laughs> four and a half, four point seven five. That's the most ridiculous. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most ridiculous <laughs> statement I've ever heard in my life. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, shout actually, out, Rich. I actually read this really interesting article the other day on, uh, I think it was WrestleZone. I'm trying to remember where it was. They were talking about the homogenization of wrestling. Yeah. And how, like, the star rating scale basically sucks. And it's not a good indicator <laughs> of, like, wrestling in general. Yeah. Um, I didn't necessarily agree with it, but it was definitely thought-provoking. Worth checking out. But, yeah, man, I mean, Ishii, Wrestler of the Month, Match of the Month, like, Freaking incredible. Yeah, man. Incredible. Great stuff. All right. So uh, let's talk about uh, G1 Climax. Uh, We got three nights left. The final night of the A Block. We have the A Block Finals, B Block Finals. Um, So we're going to go through the... We've got four nights left. We got a show Wednesday and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. We still have we still have the final B block. Right, three shows until the finals. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. Three shows. Last A block night, A block finals, B block finals, and the overall finals. No, it's the last B block night. We already had the last A block night. Okay. I'm all messed up. <laughs> it, bro, it's been a long journey. Yeah. It's been a long journey. Yeah, so That's right, yeah, night sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Yep, we just got one more B block night and then we're going to A block finals. finals B, B block, block finals, then, overall finals. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, we're gonna start with A block, and we're gonna start at the bottom, work our way up, talk about who's out, who's still in, possible scenarios. We'll talk about some of these guys' overall performance and the matches they've had over these nights. We've got five nights to cover. You're gonna have to help me to even remember who wrestled who on what night and yeah. what we saw over this course of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's take a look. So we're starting with A block. Um, starting down at the bottom, we have Yoshihashi and Togi Makabe tied at four points. So obviously, both of these guys are eliminated. They started at the bottom, <laughs> and now they're here. Still at the Still bottom. Still at the bottom. Uh, so let's start with uh, Yoshihashi. Um, so on night 11, trying to pull up uh, some of these results here. All right, here. So July 30th was night 11. We had uh, Yoshihashi going against um, Hiroshi Tanahashi in the opening match of the night. Yeah, so... Or was uh, that the main event, actually? It, this this list here is kind of messed up. Yeah. It, it was like... I think it was the uh, semi-main event that night. Yeah, it was a semi-main, yeah. So, I mean, um, I'll tell you what. Before we even get started, night 30... <laughs> was really it was probably for me I'm not going to say it was strictly the worst night of the the tournament because I I don't I haven't looked it up but it felt like it to me Um, it was the hardest one for me to get through by far bro me too man it, like it, it wasn't good, and um, this Tanahashi Yoshihashi match was a match I kind of had expectations for, um, just because you know it's it's Tanahashi and I think he he could probably get something good out of uh, Yoshihashi, but it, not so not on this night. I thought it yeah. was average at best. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was very average, and I mean, I mean, it was just yeah, I mean, in normal state, normal part of the year it might be considered good, but in the G one to me it was a overall average match I mean if we're looking at at uh, Yoshihashi he, he had the match with Tanahashi on night 
30, or I'm, I'm sorry, on July 30th. He had the match with uh, Jay White on August 2nd, and then on August 5th, he wrestled... Um, Uh, Makabe. Makabe, okay. Or, no, what's that? No, Jay. No, he wrestled Makabe on the opening night. Right. Uh, bad Luck Fale. Okay, so I mean, I'll kind of give him a pass on the Bad Luck Fale stuff because that's almost at this point just throwaway. Yeah. Um, I actually thought the Jay White match was okay. Um, he didn't play spoiler to Jay White like I expected him to. Right. But I mean, I really don't have much to say here. I mean, one, after like um, Yoshihashi's whole. You know, quest for trying to stay alive died. He pretty much just became cannon fodder in this tournament. Right. Yeah. I mean, none of these matches were really like standout or spectacular. I would say the Jay White match out of the out of all of them for probably like the character work and stuff. It was the yeah. most interesting. But um, even still, th- there was nothing special here. And it's kind of sad to say because Yoshihashi was putting on um, inconsistent good performances. It seemed like one night he'd be off, one night he'd be on. Yeah. But ever since, you know, this this last stretch of these last three shows that he was on, I would, I would not give him, like, a, a high rating at all. Right. I mean, if you're a cherry picker, I mean... All, Nothing's worth seeing. Yeah, yet. you can just you unless can. you're really interested in what's been going on with Jay White, which it has been interesting. Yeah, but other than that, nah. And I mean, let's talk about him and Balak Fale. What oh, the crap? My gosh, bro. Those guys are just like bumbling out there. It's not even just that. I'm more like, okay, so it obviously it ended in a DQ. Yeah. For for so Yoshihashi picked up a couple points there. Um which is probably some sort of consolation victory for him. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, like, why why in the world would Bad Luck Folly need any kind of outside interference? To beat the lowest guy in the block. That makes no sense to me. Like, we're talking about Bad Luck Folly, a guy who's averaged, what, 12 points every year. A guy Something like who's that. beating Okada and Tanahashi without help. Nakamura. Nakamura without help. And now you come to Yoshihashi. And he needs Tangaloa and Tamatonga. Yeah. Now, one thing I did see uh, that some people were commenting about this, and they were saying that, you know, not all, like, New Japan fans necessarily watch these matches. Like, on New Japan World, like, um, they're not always, for instance, if they're going to go see them live, maybe they haven't seen every single live match that these guys have had. Right. So, you know, some of these, like, interferences and DQs, because... Like, maybe the crowd is kind of into it just because it's fresh for them. Like, we saw the finish there again with um, Red Shoes. Red Shoes, yeah. Red Shoes, 316, yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I think the whole thing is, I mean, a lot of people have been saying it's kind of like the Road 2 shows, like, where we see the same tag match over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Some of the same matches over and over because they're pretty much doing the same match for different cities. Right. So, they're trying to, like... Drive home the fact the Tongans don't care about the G1. They're causing havoc and chaos and are going to get DQ'd. So they're doing those constant finishes, Jay White finishes, the breath bump low blow thing. They're doing those constant finishes because they're trying to get every city to see this one, this point that they're trying to make with these characters. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I also do have to question how true that is because I'm sure there has to be diehard fans as well, like us, who are sick of it and who have been seeing it night after night, right. who are following it. I mean, I feel bad for that one dude that's, uh, what's his name, Frazier, that's went to all night, has tickets for all 19 nights and he's been going to every single night. 
I mean, I don't. I can't feel too bad for the guy <laughs> going to every single G one. Yeah. But I mean, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's the same crap over and over again. I think it it is questionable booking at this point. But um, you know, Yoshihashi, he's pretty much eliminated. There's not much to say there. Uh, nothing stand out and. One thing it does make me wonder is, like, does he come back for G1 next year? So many people, like, this year were like, he shouldn't be in it. But it's been like, well, they've they built him up is the funny thing, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They gave him a lot of wins to get him ready for the G1 to make him look strong. And then he's here and he's got four points and one's from a DQ. Next year, I think it's going to be tough for him to get in. Think about all the guys who are either hurt or just like in young boy status that could get in. Guys that are hurt, Trent Beretta. You telling me with the, the the heavyweight push they were doing with him, that Beretta wasn't wouldn't have a spot in G one this year if he was healthy. Maybe maybe not. I mean, Yoshihashi is a dojo boy, but I mean at this point, I feel like for everyone who's like, well, you know, you guys shouldn't hate so much on tacos, yada yada. I'm like, well, he didn't really do much for me this year. To be honest Dude, with you. Um, Yujiro Takahashi's had some good singles matches this year. You telling me he couldn't be in the G one? I mean, up and I would say going into this G1, it would have made more sense to have uh, Yoshihashi than Yujiro, but who knows? I mean, uh, you know, G1 next year is a whole year away, but it, it, it does seem like, it seems like, I don't know. Like, I, I would I would be almost a little bit surprised if they did decide to bring Yoshihashi back next and year. If Kojima was at full health. Oh my God. Bread, bread club for life. <laughs> I, th- I think it, I think if Kojima was in this, we'd be getting a. This is gonna be my last G one, and we would get some great great <laughs> matches. He'd be giving Ishii a run for uh, you know wrestler of the month, MVP of the tournament. Yo, this is not a comedy like show. You're, you're, you got some ridiculous takes right now. Like people like to go online and like make fun of the stuff I say, but this is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a flame this week. Mr. ACP is like been waiting for this moment. You're you're uh, you're going a little over the top right now, man. <laughs> Bring it back down to reality. But yeah, so uh, anything anything else to say about Yoshiashi? Because I really don't have much. No, let's uh, Togi Makabe also at four points. He's there. Yeah. You know, he was in this tournament. Um, he wrestled Bad Luck Fale on uh, July 30th. Then he wrestled uh, Hangman Page. And then he wrestled uh, Jay White. Yeah, so, I mean, um, the thing with Mock Bay, he was another guy that I had said prior to the tournament. I could have probably done without him being in there. Now, obviously, he's going to be in there because for lots of different reasons. I mean, he's a senior guy. He's a former G1 winner. He's a former IWGP champion. He's one of the most popular stars in the company. But I'm like thinking, after like, how many more G1s does he have? I'm sure he'll probably be there next year. But I mean, there there's not much this year. The best match I think I saw him have was with Yoshihashi. Yeah. I mean, usually uh, Makabe is a guy that finishes around eight points, and he's only at four right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the booking of this tournament because it's been very, very interesting. It's been very different from, uh, you know, recent past years. But, um, you know, Makabe, he uh, took a defeat against Fale where there was a lot of interference. I did not necessarily like that match, which is funny because I've seen them have good matches before. I think uh, they wrestled on the opening night G1 last year. I think so, And yeah. I liked that match a lot mm-hmm. for what it was. Yeah. Uh, this wasn't that. Um, then on the then he wrestled Hangman, which 
I actually liked that match. I like that match too. Uh, me and Hangman's working, been working hard this whole tournament. I've, but I've liked almost every Hangman match the entire tournament. So yeah. that's not really a shock to me. In fact, I'll say on August second, that might be one of the top two matches of the night, if not for me, the match of the night. But right. I don't think a lot of it did have to do with Makabe there. I think, yeah, it was mainly about uh, the work that Hangman Page was putting in. Plus, you know, seeing Hangman kind of pick up a win over, over Makabe. When it was, it was that was a big deal. I mean, yeah, it was a big deal. So uh, that was cool. Um, you know, there, there's something that's got to be said for a guy like Makabe putting over an outsider like Hangman Page. It's great. but yeah. um, And then uh, August 5th, we had Makabe and Jay White, which again... Was just fine. It's a story match, character work, lots of outside shenanigans. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of the shenanigans that Jay White's been pulling off in this tournament. Um, you know, I don't have a huge take there. I, it's just, you know, what do you think? I mean, Makabe, I, I think he's been. I, I don't. I wouldn't say he hasn't been trying. I think he's been, you know, trying to work hard as best as he can at this stage in his career, but. He's not on a level of some of the top stars or younger guys in this tournament. Like, let's make no mistake about it. Makabe has never been a super worker at any point in his entire career. Right. Um, but with that being said, he's he's still there. There are times where you can get good good stuff out of him. Um, you know, this there's nothing. I don't want to like downgrade him too much because this is what you expect from him at this point in his career. You know, right. solid performances here and there. I mean, but he, you're not going to get anything blow away when it he's comes to He's slowly about moving into you know Nagata Kojima territory in these tournaments. Should we call him a part timer? <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, but yeah, Makabe's had a, a respectable run in this tournament. But you know, with four points, uh, you know he he hasn't had the greatest success or anything like that. Right. He's eliminated effectively. He's got a couple more matches coming up, uh, you know, or you know at least one more tournament match. Mm-hmm. Um, let's kind of take a look. Yeah, so Yoshihashi on the A Block final night will be taking on um, Hangman Page, which is kind of interesting. And then with Makabe, you've got him. Um, Going against Elgin, which actually could deliver pretty well, but yeah. um, you know those are matches for Pride at this point more so than anything else. Yeah. So then uh, next we have a three-way tie at six points with Hangman Page, Bad Luck Fale, and Big Mike Michael Elgin. So let's start with Hangman Page. Uh, this guy has been impressing a lot of people in the New Japan office, a lot of New Japan wrestlers. Uh, there have been a couple backstage promos where, you know, got like Tanahashi says he wants to take him away from the Bullet Club. Um, and, really? And like tutor him, like mentor him. And a couple other guys have been, you know, saying like, yeah, Hangman needs to leave Bullet Club and like break out on his own. Chono? Yeah, Cho- yeah Chono picked him to win the whole thing. Um so, well, I guess Chono was wrong. You look like an idiot now, don't you, Masahiro Chono? <laughs> like, Chono, shouldn't you, like, talk to Rocky, or, I mean, uh, Ghetto, about the booking and be like, before I say this, like, how's this kid going to do? <laughs> <laughs> like, Masahiro Chono, like, led two factions that were very similar to Bullet Club, and, like, you're going to tell me that, like, one of the lowest level guys in the, in the like, group is, like, you know that what the deal is, Masahiro Chono. You know, like, the young boy is not going to freaking win the tournament. Like, yeah. come on. Come on. You know better than that. But anyways, um, all kidding aside, I've been so, so, so impressed with um, Hangman Page. You want my hot take? Yeah. 
Everyone keeps telling me that Michael Elgin is the performer of the A Block and the MVP of A Block, but not for me, man. It's Hangman Page. Hangman Pagey. Hangman Pagey. 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 <laughs> now, I won't sit here and say that Pagey has had the high level quality matches that B Block has produced, or that he's even had as stellar of matches as some of the outputs that, like, Okada or Elgin have put out. But night after night, in a weaker block, he is the most impressive performer, bar none, for me, of mm-hmm. the whole block. And I don't even like Hangman Page that much. And I know I know you weren't a fan of the uh, the Jay White match, but for whatever reason, I love that. I like that Jay White match. Oh, I didn't like that match. So yeah, so July thirtieth, he wrestled uh, Jay White. Yeah, bro, I tried watching that, bro, as a courtesy to you, <laughs> out of respect. <laughs> Out of respect for Jeremy Donovan. To earn my respect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, we got to talk to you guys about, what was that, Friday night? Yeah. The Cuban Civic Club. Yeah. Yeah, the Cigar Club. That was crazy. We'll talk about that later in the show, but, uh, um, yeah. So, out of respect for you, you told me this match was good. I, I, I watched it one time. I got halfway through it. I wasn't liking it. I told you I didn't like it. You were like, just give it another shot. Yeah, you, not- you came out a couple times. You were like, bro, I, I can't get into this this match right now. No, I really couldn't. And um, I think part of it, too, is like the fatigue. Part of part of it is the fatigue of, you know, I've, had a, I've heard other people say like, oh, it's been spread out really well. It's been booked really well. Maybe I don't like wrestling as much as you guys. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I do, but man, I've, I'm feeling it. Like I'm not. Gonna I mean, lie. I'll definitely say I think I have a higher threshold out of anybody on social suplex for uh, watching team. wrestling. Yeah, man, bro. Yeah, I get tired, dude. Like, here's the thing. I think my biggest mistake is letting a day or two go past. Yes, that's that's the mistake I made last year. I, I, I let a couple days get behind me, and then I got behind. I was like, crap. Like I haven't even got that far behind. I'll get right. like one or two days behind, and then you know you watch one night, and it's an A block night, and it sucks. And then you watch a B block night. It's awesome. And it's great, but you just watched a whole A block night right before it and right. you're like oh man I and, I, and I think part of it too is like we have like a uh, commitment to watch all these shows and talk about them here on the show we never had it before so I've never had this before we could like cherry pick we could yes. skip we could do whatever you know yeah this is brand new for me and like also having to you know pay it here's the thing I do pay attention but like for the for the viewers that we have and for the show that we put on and the type of uh, product that I want to produce there is a certain level of uh, uh, attention and detail that I'd like to give to these matches and sometimes you know we're talking about like a hundred matches yeah <laughs> we're talking about like a hundred tournament matches so it's difficult I'm not gonna lie I'm sticking with it I'm all caught up at this point so that's good news <laughs> but this this a block night July 30th was tough for me this uh, match with hangman and um, and Jay white took place right in the middle of the card and um, yeah, I didn't think it was good. I didn't think it was anywhere near the match that they had. Uh, and uh, Strong Style Evolved. Nowhere near it. I don't think it was that little, but I don't know. I like not even close. Bro. I like the selling of the back from Hangman. They did some good work. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to take that away from them. But as an overall story and an overall flow of a match, um, you know, sometimes I don't even have to necessarily sit here and describe why I don't like a match. Sometimes you just don't feel it. Yeah. And I watched it, bro, two and a half times. I watched it a full time, didn't like it, gave it a day, watched it a whole 
another day and I said, this match is not good. <laughs> that is my take on it. Um, I am sorry. It's, it's all good, man. Um, but I mean, the, the Togi Makabe match, like we mentioned, that was another good showing for Hangman. I'm glad. I'm glad that. So Hangman up to that point had two points and it was just from a DQ and he was the bottom of the barrel, which is funny that I'm calling him my performer of the A block because yeah. he's pretty much a loser. But there's that's the thing. A guy that's losing almost every match, he looks fantastic in, in almost every single loss. Yeah, you know, thank God that uh, Kenny gave him that book because he, he was able to get the big win on Makabe here. And then he got the will to win. Yeah. And then he started winning and, and he picked up two points here. And then uh, moving on to August 5th, he beat Minoru Suzuki. I huge, was not huge. expecting that. The I, don't whole know, match, I don't know if you heard me the Sunday morning freak out in my room. Yeah. Well, the funny thing, I was wondering if you heard me the day before, because I was. I remember that early that afternoon, like I was like marking out. And then later on when you were watching stuff, I heard you marking out too. Yeah. But I watched this Sunday morning. Yeah. Like the before you saw it. Okay. And I don't I didn't know if you heard me. I was like, Holy crap! <laughs> Holy crap. I remember you were like, bro, an awesome match just happened or something like that. It, it wasn't even that it was a great match, but I was just so I mean it was a good match, but I was very, very shocked that Minoru Suzuki, the British uh, like the undisputed British heavyweight champion just put it over Hangman Page, yeah, bro. It was crazy. Like, like this dude just got his own music, yeah. just now. <laughs> like he's the tag team guy. Like he's he's friends with the Young Bucks. That's his role. <laughs> and he just beat mother freaking Minoru Suzuki. Like it's freaking awesome. Yeah, dude, that was crazy. And as the match was coming down to the end, like I had a I had a feeling that the finish was going to be one of them reversing their move into the other. But I for sure thought it was going to be Suzuki reversing the rite of passage oh, in, I had a feeling. into the gotch. I had a feeling it was going to be chokehold, gotch. gotch, one, two, three, see a hangman page, go to hell, <laughs> go back to Ring of Honor, go wrestle Punishment Martinez or some crap, get out of our ring. Nah, bro. They put him over. Clean. They put him over. Clean. Rite of passage. Drop Suzuki right on his head. You know, it's, this tournament's been weird with how many champions have lost. And I, I, usually you you anticipate that, like, um, title shots are going to be set up. I don't think that this would... Well, A, Minoru Suzuki, he's a smart man. He ain't bringing his belt down to the ring every night. Because he doesn't want you... you <laughs> to people, remember. <laughs> he doesn't want you people to remember, like, oh, this guy's a champion. Like... I might get a towel shot off this. He's like, nah, bump that. He's like, <laughs> he's like that belt stays back there. He's like, this is, this, that ain't got nothing to do right. with this tournament. <laughs> We're in Japan right now, bro. <laughs> but um, I do wonder, I'm like, does this put him in line for a towel shot? Like, that would be freaking cool. I don't think it will, but I mean, it, it is a big deal. It's yeah. the big, it's probably the biggest win, singles win of his entire career up to this point. And it puts him at six points where this was a guy who a few nights before had two points. Yeah. And it wasn't even a real win, hardly. It was a DQ. And uh, he has one more match left. Uh, who's he got on that uh, last night there? Uh, uh, Evil. That, that's or not, oh, sorry, that's Jay White. My bad. Uh, he has uh, Yoshihashi. Oh. Uh, so if he can pull the win out there, he can get to eight points, which I don't even remember. That's what I said. Hangman was going to get about eight points. I think I said he'd end up with like four or six. Yeah. So like I feel pretty happy. I actually think he'll probably lose to Yoshihashi. That way Yoshihashi doesn't look like a total bumski. Yeah, and and with uh, six points. Yeah, but I mean, it, at this point, he just beat Minoru Suzuki. He probably should beat Yoshihashi. Yeah. He beat Makabe and Suzuki. Back to back. Yeah, he needs... It's a big deal. Yeah, he needs to ride a passage Yoshihashi out the G1. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I do wish, you know, Gato, if you're listening, <laughs> I do wish that there was like a threshold where it's like, hey, if you're in the G1 and you perform to a certain level, whether that be match quality or whether that be like kayfabe wise, you don't get to come back. Yeah. You know, I or, feel like. Or set something up where you got to like fight for your spot. Like with guys who are eligible, like Atoa Hanare, you know, that, that C blocks they keep joking around with. Yeah, they, they don't really set up, like, um, qualifier matches for right. the tournament. And I almost, like, for guys that for guys that you know are going to be in it, maybe not so much. Like, I don't want to see Yoshi, like, uh, you know, like, Tanahashi having a qualifier match with, like... Against David Finley. Yeah, that, <laughs> that would suck, but you know, put Yoshihashi in there with, with like, a, like, a Hanare, and see... see See who's really about it. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> and then, like, if one guy ends up not being in it, he has something to fight for. I remember uh, uh, Yujiro Takahashi talking. He cut a promo during the um, New Japan Cup, and he talked about how, like, he was going to go deep into the tournament, and it was going to be his ticket to get him back into the G1. And I was like, that's that's awesome storytelling. Like, this is a guy who's trying to get in the G1, and he didn't make it this year. Like, And then you got, you know, Yoshihashi, like, wasting breath, wasting wasting space, like, taking someone's spot. Like, you're going to be on this tournament. Tournament, be in this tournament, man. Put something out there. Like, A Block has been a, a, a chore to get. Yeah, I a mean, chore. A Block it was, the opera, it was any, pretty much anybody's ball game to be the MVP, I would think. Yeah, I mean, it's just like WWE this year, you know? <laughs> Super low standards. Like, you don't even have to do that well. You just be a, a really good quality opening match guy like Seth Rollins and be the, you know, wrestler of the year. That's <laughs> what it feels like a little bit in the A Block. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious, bro. <laughs> My God. But anyways, um, yeah, man, super, super, super impressed with Hangman Page. I mean, bro, this is a guy that came out of the dojo in Ring of Honor. Yeah. He, you know, he was a young boy, a young boy over there, basically, you know, for when he started. And now he's in Japan and he's beating one of the greatest legends in Japanese pro wrestling history. Yeah, I mean. It's freaking it, awesome. I definitely see, you know, really big things going forward for Hangman. Um, in New Japan. That whole Triple H analysis that I gave earlier in the year is starting to sound smarter now. <laughs> like, this guy's delivering, and I, it's great. It's great. So, who else has six points? Bad Luck Fale. Oh, my God. Dusty old... <laughs> oh, luck, Dusty. Old, 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 old Dusty ass. <laughs> Bad Luck Fale. Ruining the G1. Yes. Oh, my Lowering God. Lowering the average. Lowering the average. Oh, my, oh God. my gosh, bro. Do we even have to talk about this? Can we just skip this just like I skip his matches every single night? <laughs> I actually don't. That's the bad part. I don't skip his matches. Hey, listeners. Because we have an obligation <sighs> My to, God. to these people, so, to these fans. Bad Luck Fale beat Makabe. We already talked about that match. Uh, but basically, he beat him by cheating. Um, on August the 2nd, Bad Luck Fale lost to, to Michael Elgin via DQ. DQ. Once again, same shenanigans with Tangaloa, Tamatonga. Then afterwards, they jumped the they jumped um, Elgin. Yep, they jumped him, attacked his arm, and then um, on August 5th, Bad Luck Fale wrestled Yoshihashi, which we already covered, and again with he DQ. Lost. He's uh, got, this dude's got six points. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my biggest criticism, just aside from the crappiness of the finishes and, like, the tiredness of it all, is just simply that it doesn't make sense because this is a guy who literally has never been booked to need help. 
dude, he's at half of what he normally gets. I'm not even talking like okay, if he was losing matches or whatever, that would be one thing. Right. But this is a guy who in the matches themselves, they're they're booking the matches in a way to where the DQ is needed. Right. You know what I mean? Right. The ref bump is needed for his survival. How is that possible? Like, did he get that much worse over the last year? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, did him going on this keto diet, losing all his weight, <laughs> getting in better shape, translate to him, like, being a worse wrestler and a worse performer? Like, you know what I think the problem is, is that uh, I think he, he was depressed because uh, Peter's... Because Peter was gone for so long. ...was in uh, Bullet Club Elite with Yudro. Uh, I think that's the problem here. It probably is, bro. <laughs> Sexually frustrated. <laughs> and you know, I've, you would think that make him better, though. Yeah. You know how they say, like, you know, you know, you don't like have sex before like a big fight, you know, because it makes the the legs weak. It's like, yo, if your girl's gone, like that should give you like rage and animosity. <laughs> he should be a monster out here, just crushing eff- dudes, effing up dudes, yeah. steamrolling people. Like, like literally, you had a tough time with y- Yoshihashi. I know I made that like whole same reference back during the Michael Elgin match early in the tournament, but this is even more egregious to me. Yeah, and um, they've been pushing the fact that you know he hasn't been pinned this whole tournament, pinned or submitted this whole tournament, and I guess they're they, they're trying. It's try- a method of protection, right? They're trying to like protect him and keep him strong, saying he hasn't been pinned or submitted, but. He, he's looking weak in these DQs. He looks, he's not looking every, strong. Yeah, every DQ looks very, very weak. I mean, you know, this is how business used to run back in the 80s, so I'm not totally opposed to DQ finishes. I know, like, some of my other, like, uh, social suplex brethren, you know, I'll, I'll turn them on to an 80s match and like, oh, it's going to be a DQ finish. It's going to be a, <laughs> a count out. Guys, if, you're, if you ever get the, the chance to hang out with Josh and he's going to put on an 80s match, get ready for there to be some kind of DQ screwy finish at the end. Not always. <laughs> but sometimes. A lot of the time. A lot of the time, okay? But that's neither here nor there. Like, that's just how business used to operate. And I know Gato is very influenced by Memphis and things like that. So that makes sense to me but there is a way to book the match and to work the match to where the guy who's getting dq doesn't necessarily look weak every single match tamatanga as well as bad luck folly they look weak and they're supposed to be the top guys in this little mini faction so my interest in it has you know we start we we started out we what we've done is this our fourth g1 episode or third um I think it's our fourth, I think. Third or fourth. Yeah. We started out, we're like, we'll see where it goes. I like the fact that he doesn't care. I like the fact that, they're, you know, then it happened again. We're like, wow, that's kind of happening every night. And then now it's just like, why would you watch these matches? Like, literally, at, at a certain point, like, all you really have to know is that a ref bump is coming, and then there's going to be outside interference, and it's either going to be a screw job finish or it's going to be a DQ. Right. And it does no favors for anybody. And, like, I don't want to see these guys after the G1. Like, this doesn't build heat for me. Anticipation. I don't want to see someone get their comeuppance against these guys. And I'm a big fan of comeuppance. I like when there's a bad guy like Jay White is doing it the right way. Yes. Jay White, I want to see someone kick the crap out of him. Jay White knows how to, like, use outside interference and underhanded tactics. And win. And Yeah, and win. (laughs) And if he doesn't win, like, he's trying to win. But these guys, like, I'm just like, I really don't care. And before the G1, I cared. Not like I, it's not like Dude, I was like, that, that angle at, um, in San Francisco, man. Yeah. 
We were talking about how it was gonna be like one of the hottest angles of the whole year, set up this big war. We were so excited to see what these guys were gonna do. And now I literally could care less about them. Like get them off my TV screen. If 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 Balak Fale and Tamatanga and Tangaloa went away tomorrow, I would not care. I would not be upset about it whatsoever. That's my level of disdain about this whole thing at this point. I'd rather watch Yoshihashi wrestle. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's saying it all right there. That says it all right there. Yoshihashi comes out, and I'm like, Yoshihashi. At least this match might be okay. Uh, Bad Luck Folly comes out. And I'm like, why do I? Why would I even watch this at this point? Like right. he, they've literally gotten him under with me, completely under. I don't care. I don't care. What do you think, dude? I'm on the same boat, man. Like you, you can talk about character development in storylines and getting heat and all this stuff but dude how can anybody get entertainment in watching the same finish over and over and over again in these bad luck folly matches they just they look like jobbers man he's lost all this weight you know you expect him to be like moving a little bit faster you know having some better matches and no it's overall underwhelming performance for me in my book they look bad. Yeah. All right. So, also at six points, we have uh, Michael Elgin. Yeah. So, Michael Elgin also has six points. And, you know, he's a lot of people's kind of MVPs in the, the A block. Is he for you? Nah. I don't. I mean, he's definitely had a lot of great matches, but I've I've been more impressed, I think, with Hangman Page than I have with Michael Elgin. Really? Because I mean, I think it's interesting. We haven't even talked about that. Yeah, I mean, because I expect Michael Elgin to be at a certain level. I really didn't know what to expect from Hangman Page. I mean, Hangman has had some uh, good matches this year um, in Ring of Honor and some of the stuff he's done in New Japan earlier this year. But you, you never know what to really... Like there was no really high expectations of his performance in this tournament. And so, I mean, to me, he's pleasantly surprised me at how well he's been doing and how quickly he gotten over with the Japan crowd and just what a stud he is. I mean, Michael Elkin's a guy I'm expect... I expect Big Mike to be going out there and having bangers, so... The thing with Elgin is taking nothing away from this tournament... Mm-hmm. Nowhere near his last two tournaments. Yeah. Nowhere near it. Not even close. I'm yeah. sorry. And, uh, and that's not to say he's had a bad tournament. He is he is an MVP of the tournament. He is doing well. He's and you know what? He's got a he screwed up his arm. Yeah, possibly torn bicep. Yeah, he's got a possibly torn bicep. You know, I don't I don't know, man. If I was him, I almost feel like I would have possibly bowed out of the tournament if that was the case but I don't know how they're even gonna handle that I mean look at the Tanahashi situation you know last year Uh, I really don't know but even with that being the case he is still performing at a high level I mean on July 30th he had the match with Okada which a lot of people really liked yeah I think that was the best match of that night Probably, but that was like one of the worst mat- one of the worst nights of the entire tournament for me. Yeah. Um, I thought that that was a kind of like a turning point for Okada's character, to where like you kind of started to see like a little bit of the old Okada kind of come out. But even with that, I don't know, man. I like I'm at the, like I said, I'm kind of at this tired point in the tournament. Um, Elgin, you know, 
Um, I do. I expect so much more from him. Yeah. Um, I don't. On the uh, August second show, he wrestled uh, Bad Luck Fale. I don't really. You know, another DQ finish. Later. We already talked about it, so you know what that is there. And then um, the other night he wrestled uh, Tanahashi, which was a match that he was looking forward to. That was a match I expected a lot, a lot more from because what I think that's only the second time they've ever wrestled. Right, it was the first time they wrestled in G One. I really, really, really was thinking that that was going to be a fantastic match, and. I was I was just kind of underwhelmed. Like that's the thing, Elgin. I've been waiting all tournament for Elgin to have these two matches, the Okada match and, and the, the Tana match. match. Yeah. Now maybe it has something to do with his injury. Maybe it just you know maybe it has to do with the rigor of being so late and deep into the tournament. So I mean you know that could definitely be a part of it. But then you know you look at the B block and they're still they're just they're wrestling at such a high level. Yeah. It's, it's like a completely different level. It's a different tournament, man. Yeah. It's a different thing altogether. Um, I know we talked about like the A block and B block being far apart during the junior, uh, like during the best super juniors, but it wasn't this, there, there wasn't this much disparity. Right. I feel like uh, the A and B blocks were, were better, kind of spread More out. More comparable. Yeah. More comparable. Um, yeah, with Elgin, and Elgin's out now too, huh? Yeah. I think it was the Okada match that, that put him out of the tournament. Yeah. Mathematically speaking. So he's also working with – that's another reason why I'm like, well, if he is really injured, why don't they put in an alternate right. possibly or something to that nature or give him a pass? Um, you know, my, my hat's off to the guy for sticking through with it. But uh, I, I've been a little disappointed. I, I just have. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen Elgin have better matches, better G1s, um, compete at a higher level. And again, like I said, I don't know if it was the injury or what it was that's kind of held him back this year in the tournament, but not the same Michael Elgin that we're uh, used to seeing. And you know what? I think this is the story of the A block for everybody because, you know, I'm going to save us a little bit of time. I could say the same thing about Okada. I can say the same thing about Suzuki. I can say the same thing about Tana. Yeah. Um, almost everybody in the A block. Like the guys that I'm more impressed with are the guys who are exceeding my expectations, like a Hangman Page, um, and like Jay White to a certain degree. Yeah. You know, um, for the rest of the and you know the rest of the field, like even a guy like Evil, a lot of these guys are not delivering what I expect out of a G1. Well, speaking of evil, he's the next guy. He has eight points. He's actually tied at eight points with Minoru Suzuki. But, and, they're, and they're both mathematically out. Yeah, both of these guys are also mathematically eliminated from the tournament. So at this point, they're just trying to, you know, get some more points to kind of just increase their point total. Yeah, so we saw Suzuki go over evil on the uh, July 30th show. And then we saw Evil uh, take back-to-back losses against Tanahashi and then against Okada. Um, So three of the biggest challengers that he's had, three losses in a row. It does kind of show you that this guy had eight points up until that point in the tournament, was one of the point leaders, and had a shot, an outside shot at you know, being one of the guys in consideration on the last few nights, and he's totally out. And it does show you his standing in the company when you put him against the three biggest guys in that block. Yeah, and he's upper mid. Yeah, he's upper mid card guy. Um, you know for sure that 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 Okada match, Okada was gonna get that G one win back because Evil did beat him last year in the G one. Yeah, 
So Okada had to get that win back. What have you thought about his performances? I, I feel like he's kind of been consistently consistently good. I feel like a lot of his matches have been in that like three and a half to three point seven five range. I did really like the um I think it was the Okada match. I think the Okada match yeah, was the I really, best yes, match. Yes, I really enjoy the Okada match. I believe that match was like around four stars for me. Um back and forth drama there the um, Okada hitting the everything is evil so Tanahashi yeah did you notice two guys yeah. stole his finisher back yeah. to back mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting I don't know why they did that but yeah. it's interesting but yeah I mean you know evil's a kind of a guy that they've kind of kind of start and stop push every at different points of the year um, and honestly I mean I think this was he has he's been having a good tournament I mean, he hasn't had any, like, outsta- outstanding, like, legendary encounters or anything, but I definitely think he was a, a, one of the better guys in the A block this year. I'll say this with A block, and I am I know that we're kind of bearing it a bit, but um, there, been, there have been some good things, but I can't remember watching, like, a G1 in the past. And, again, I've cherry-picked it, but I can't remember even looking at ratings and seeing so many throwaway matches. Yeah. So so many matches that were, like, just a match. And a lot of these matches, like, there's not even much for us to really even discuss because it's just like, you know, that match happened, this guy went over, 3.25, 3.5, whatever, yeah. move on. And I think for me, I, I think I like Evil a little bit better than you do, a little more than you do. And so, I don't know. I think he's, you know, had good matches throughout throughout the tournament. Nothing like again, nothing like really that's I mean the Okada match is probably is gonna be his highest rated match of the tournament, but where would you where would you in in the light of like him and Elgin, where would you how would you compare like those two guys' like performances to one another? In this year's tournament? Yeah. Uh I, th- I feel like Elgin still had a, um some better matches overall than Evil did. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like we, I know we kind of said that Elgin wasn't, you know, at his top level, but he still had some, you know, good matches, especially on some of these A block matches, A block nights where. Not only that, but like Elgin has, El has made certain guys look better. Yeah. You know, he made Yoshihashi look great. He made uh, Hangman Page look great. He made Jay White look really, really good. Um, whereas, like with a lot of the evil matches, like he's done well in the tournament, kayfabe wise, he's performed well. But I wouldn't say anything was like, this is a guy who really is driven and motivated to perform at a certain level. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he's almost, like, too comfortable. That's a great, yeah, that's a great word for it. Because, I mean, he's kind of over with the crowds now. He has this whole gimmick pretty much. Um, yeah. I mean. And to a degree, it's smart. But at, on another level, it's like, well, where do you want to be five years from now? Right. It's smart if he was at a higher level. I mean, he's not at the level where he can just he can just coast on. It's not, not only that, but you also have to think, you know, this this wrestling thing's not forever. Mm-hmm. And this Los Ingrenables thing's not going to be forever. And, you know, you have to build some equity. You know? for for you got to put some money in the bank for afterwards. Right. And I, I'm like... You know, when when let's say Lij breaks up, right? Mm-hmm. I think Sonata's fine. I think Takahashi's fine. I think obviously Naito's fine. Uh, I would be very questionable about Evil. Where does he go from here? You know, he'll he'll be like 
you know, like a Maccabee, like a freelancer guy who has no home, you know. Right. Just, he'll be he'll be in like opening matches, like teaming with like a young boy or something. Yeah, and if you're comfortable with that, you're comfortable with that. But I'm like, for what we've seen from him in the past, we know he can go. And I'm like, dude, what? Right. Just give us the goods, man. Give us the snowflakes. <laughs> that's what that's what we're here for, man. But um, yeah. So evil is eliminated. Let's talk about the king. Yes, Minoru Suzuki. I mean, this is a guy. Uh, point wise, I expected to still be in the running at this point in the tournament. But uh, I mean, a- I I could have seen that given the field that they had. But at the same time. You know, Minoru Suzuki's never really done extremely well in a G1. I know, but I just, I think this year, I mean, he's been on another level to me this year. You're right. Overall, so I thought maybe that some of that momentum would flow into this tournament. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, Suzuki had that fantastic match with Tanahashi, and after that, it's kind of just been, you know, the thing with Tanahashi, or I'm sorry, the thing with Suzuki is he can go when he wants to go. And then he won't go when he doesn't have to go or right. need to go. Um, you know, he wrestled evil. It was fine. Uh, he picked up the win there. Um, nothing egregious, but it wasn't great. Then he wrestled Okada. Yeah, and you know what? What were your thoughts on that? Because, again, I'll say that it, for me, people seem to be praising these Okada matches a lot at the end. And they're not really doing it for me. But I, I do recognize that part of it is because of my viewing habits and yeah. also what's proceeding to it. And I'm getting to these main events not too excited because of the – I you know, I understand the Okada storylines that are going on, but they're not doing it for me. And then also just like the fatigue, you know. So like I, I didn't like love the Okada match and I didn't love Suzuki – yeah, I didn't love the Okada match with Suzuki. I mean, to me, I think I rated it around like four stars. Um, it definitely wasn't as good as the uh, the draw match that they had, the match that they drawed at the. Uh, the last three matches I've seen them have were all vastly better. Yeah, the the draw they had at the G One last year, the match that they had at uh, Suzuki the Pirate Festival, the thing. Pirate Festival, and then the the title shot that he got last year at New Beginning. Um, all of those are like I would be like wow those are classic matches this one was just it was what it was yeah I mean this I mean it was a good match it was a very good match but not to the levels that we've seen from those guys in the past I think we got we kind of get spoiled sometimes about when these guys kind of have like back-to-back you know great matches and their rivalries and then it's just with me Suzuki's one of my favorite guys in the tournament so you know I'm not gonna take too much away from him but I will say this you know when we talk about wrestler of the year discussions how someone does in the G1 is a big factor a really really big factor I mean does does his performance in this tournament detract you know his placement in that type of discussion for you um I don't think so I mean really for me it kind of does I mean not to the point where I'd be like hey um you know, it, it, it undoes everything he did prior to this. But, like, let's say a Goto, a guy who's done really well, and it kind of puts that little cherry on top and puts him, you know, back up into that upper level where with, like, Suzuki, I'm like, Suzuki was kind of here at this level. Every, everyone else that he was with was kind of at that same level, and he was right there. He's an outside guy. And then all of a sudden they kind of went past him. Yeah. And he kind of just stayed there. Now, we still got the rest of the year, but, you know, the truth is, King after King of Pro Wrestling, it's a lot of... There's not a lot left. That's true, yeah. And so, for me, it's like... 
I don't think like Suzuki's over here trying to necessarily work for the marks to to get like wrestler of the year status. You know, I don't think that's his motivation or anything like that. Um, But at the, at the same time, like for me as a, as a fan, I'm like, well, he's had a fantastic year, but this G1 is a little bit disappointing. Yeah. Now I, now I really enjoyed the hangman match. Yes, the Hangman Page match was really good. Did you notice that he took the uh, rite of passage kind of awkwardly and landed on his, his legs and, and instead of like, you know, like usually how they land between the legs, mm. he landed on his leg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it looked like he could have actually botched it and got hurt, maybe, possibly. I think he was fine, most likely. But yeah, it was a little awkward. I mean that whole match. I mean that was like a proving ground match for Hangman. Like yeah, that was a, that let, was a. Let's see how tough you are, boy. The real man match. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that was great. Um, I think that he really put in like a a, a, a a like a better effort against Hangman than he did for a lot of these guys, and I think he put in an effort with um, you know, with Okada, but again, none of these matches are going to be matches that I'm like. Go out of your way to see him. None of these matches are going to... Like, when I'm talking about great matches that happen in the A block, like, none of them are going to be listed. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, the, and the one match that... Really, honestly, the one match in A block still to this point that I'm like, wow, that was great. It's that Suzuki... And Tana. And Tanahashi match. Everything else is just on a lower level for me. Yeah, same here, man. Um, so, next up... Um, we have a tie at 12 points with Kazuchika Okada and Switchblade Jay White. So obviously both of these guys are still alive heading into the block finals. So I think we'll, we'll have a discussion about scenarios, you know, coming up in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just talk about their performances so far. And obviously the last guy that we got left is Tanahashi. So I think we could probably even just go night by night and talk about all three guys, I would say. Right, yes. And Hiroshi Tanahashi, he's leading the block with 14 points. So on uh, July 30th, Okada took on Michael Elgin. Um, we had Tanahashi against Yoshihashi, and then Jay White against Hangman Page. Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about the Jay White Hangman. I actually think we've talked about all the matches at this point. Yeah. Um, but, like, we can... And then... Um, on August 2nd, you know, Tanahashi defeated Evil. Um, Okada defeated Suzuki, and Jay White defeated Yoshihashi. And then on August 5th, which was the last night that we were covering, Yoshi, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Michael Elgin. Jay White defeated Togi Makabe. And then Okada defeated Evil. So, like, I didn't realize, yeah, we've kind of talked about, talked about all the matches so far, but let's discuss each guy and, you know, where, where they are for, for us, I guess. So, um, for me, so Okada, I mean, he's doing this whole kind of like broken or whatever you want to call it, Okada. Broken! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we got broken Okada. He's cosplaying Vinny Marsalia from uh, The Kingdom. It's well, different because <laughs> he has balloons. <laughs> They're yellow and red. Yeah. And it's been weird, man. And, it's been really weird. And, you know, Okada, you know, he's one of the guys you looked for to being the MVP of a block and to be having above four-star matches. And it just we haven't gotten that Okada this year. Yeah, I mean, 
you could probably make a case for Okada being the quote-unquote MVP of the A block if you wanted to because he probably has consistently I mean he's been in almost every main event he's probably consistently had mm-hmm. you know between three and a half and four star matches you know which is great uh, but this is a guy that you know we considered you know prior to him losing the title the best wrestler in the world yeah. he's been the best wrestler in the world for several years now and almost every year he's one of the top performers in the entire um, G1 climax now I understand that they're taking his character in a different direction and there are probably some people who are like don't do you guys not watch this you don't get it and I'm like no nah, I get it <laughs> but with that being said like the only thing I really see that I'm excited about for this whole entire tournament is the eventual show buckle video that will be coming out at some point in the future. <laughs> the downfall of Okada. <laughs> the, the rise and fall of Kazushiko Okada. And it's going to be freaking phenomenal to hear that guy like narrate it all. Yeah. But going through it, it is kind of tough because he's one of my favorite guys. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, um, Okada, he's like, I, t- I kind of hit on this before where he's wrestling down on purpose and then cutting promos afterwards apologizing for putting on lesser performances yeah like yeah sorry i know this match wasn't that good (laughs) (laughs) and maybe and like that's kind of his brilliance but at the same time as a fan i just i don't know man like i i'm i am spoiled i just i want i want the rainmaker i keep saying it it is hard for me to get into this stuff yeah it is hard for me to um i'm i think he like I'll just say, it, I think he can't win this block. I don't think he can win in, this in the state. Yeah, no. Uh, maybe he does, but I feel like it would be worse storytelling. The same way how I said it would be better storytelling for him to win at G- at uh, Wrestle Kingdom this past year. Yeah, it would be terrible storytelling. I think if he won the G one or even won, he might win the block. But if he won the G one, which I think he's a lot of people's pick and prediction. But given everything I've seen up to this point, I haven't really made any predictions. And I'm probably ready to make some predictions on this episode today. Mm. But uh, I will say, man, like Okada's been somewhat of a disappointment. I mean, how can you complain when when you're getting four-star matches out of him? But then again, Rich Latta voice, ain't nobody got time for four-star <laughs> matches. <laughs> Which is a ludicrous thing to say. But, yeah. um, you know, this is a guy who consistently puts on some of the top performances in the G1 and I'm I'm saddened to not see that. Yeah. Then uh Switchblade Jay White, I think he's done a great job getting his character over being this kind of weaselly guy that's going to do whatever it takes to win. He's going to break and bend every rule and try and scratch and claw to get a victory. Um, I mean, he's had some decent matches. Um, they've been doing some also great stuff on the undercard with him and Yo uh, for the majority of the nights, just watching Yo get uh, demolished. And he's been also been trying to get Yo to cheat. Um, there was one tag match where he got the pinfall and he was like, see, Yo, it was all because of me. See, you got to follow me, follow my game plan, and we'll win. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there with him. You know, he beating he beat Okada. This whole, is he the leader of chaos now? But, I mean, we saw when he faced the Tongans, like, he had no chaos support. Hey, you, you can say what you want about Jay White and the criticisms, and the criticisms are fair. The, the ref bumps, they're fair. The outside use of the guardrails and the outside use of the chairs. We have the low blows. The low blows. It's all valid. But, dude, this is the most interesting 
competitor, night in and night out through the entire A block, his story, his progression. Uh, give me that any day over Broken Okada. Give me that any day over the returning ace. I'm sorry. Like, Jay White is very interesting. Now, I know that we're not here for the character work and all that. But if you're going to do it, this is probably the best That's case what, scenario. Yeah. You could do it. Um, I'm not sitting here saying I'm, a, I'm in love with his tournament. But he's had he has not had a single great performance. Probably his best match was against Okada the first night. Yeah. I would say. I thought that, but here's the thing. This is a guy who is going on the undercards, like you mentioned, and having compelling storylines during every single uh, tag match that builds anticipation for his um, actual A block matches. And there's a mini story every single time, and they're mm-hmm. unique and they're interesting and they actually make sense and it's so logical. And the like you mentioned earlier, I mean, Jay White's a guy you you want to see uh, comeuppance with somebody get their comeuppance on him. And um, shout out to James Boyd uh, from One Nation Radio. He mentioned that um, Jay White looked like uh, Miles Teller, <laughs> and he has a very punchable face. <laughs> so yeah, Jay White's that guy. Yeah, you see him, you just want to see him get decked. So I freaking love Miles Teller. So yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I like I like so many of his movies. Like, yeah, he's a great actor. Um, yeah, man, Jay White is very, very, very interesting. I think the story of the A Block has mainly revolved around him to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, I thought that the stuff with him and um, Yoshihashi, while not necessarily great, I thought on the night before he was like, "Just pin me. It doesn't matter." And then, <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, "You made me attack you." <laughs> like, it's been that's been great, man. Um, yeah, like, and I'm very interested. Like, I've we've got friends who don't like Yoshi or don't like Jay White. They talked about his placement in the company. You know, like, is he higher than this guy? Is he higher than that guy? You know, what about this person a year ago? And I'm like, dude, look where he's at. They got him in the top three of the A block of the G1. He's got 12 points. He is important. Yeah, very, very, very important to this company. Yeah, and I, I could easily see him having a, another big match at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, and not only that, but like he has, he's tied with Okada. He is just barely trailing Tanahashi, and we'll get into the scenarios here. But he's got the tiebreaker match over both of them. Yeah. Now he's going into the final night against. Uh, let me see who he's facing on August 10th. Um, evil. Yeah. So, you know, at this point for him, if he's going to continue on, he has to be e- evil pretty much. Al- mm-hmm. Almost ex- like it, it's do or die for him at this point to be evil. But with that being said, um, he's right there, man. Yeah. And he could be a B block. He could be the A block winner. And then um, man leading A block right now, Hiroshi Tanahashi. He's on that don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. The ace has been here for years. Uh, Which is interesting because he's like this sleeper. He's such a sleeper in this tournament because, um, I mean, what's been your favorite Yoshi or uh, what's been your favorite Hiroshi Tanahashi match of the whole tournament? Um, I think I, I like the uh, probably the Suzuki, Suzuki match. yeah. Outside of the Suzuki match, what was a really good Hiroshi Tanahashi match? <sighs> to be honest, even with you. even four stars, just a four star match. I don't think he's had one. Yeah, I don't think he has, man. Which is so funny 
because he's leading the block because he's beating everybody like this is a guy who's just quietly collecting points now he's at the top of the of the block and he might win this whole thing and you're like what but at the same time I wouldn't sit here and be like you gotta see this run that Tanahashi is on right like I just wouldn't (laughs) you know what I mean yeah and he's a now maybe I'm being like not consistent here Consistency. Consistency. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not blowing him up like Elgin or Okada or Suzuki, but maybe we should be. Maybe we should be because Tanahashi is a guy that we know is capable of performing at the highest level, and you expect G1 Tanahashi to to be up there. Right. And he's just winning, and that's pretty much it. And now, you know, I was kind of mentioning, you know, about evil not being in a spot where he can coast, but you know, Tanahashi kind of is in a spot where he can coast. I mean, he's been the top star for years. He's super over, always has great matches, has a strong connection with the crowd. I mean, so it's, e- it's easy for him to, to to do fewer things and still be over and have a good performance. That's a valid point. Another thing too, we don't always take into consideration with the G One. You. Typically, get your best stuff the first few nights and the last few nights, and everything right. else. In the, in the middle, it's kind of like guys are tired, guys are hurt, they're beat up, and we've got him and Okada coming up, and that's very interesting. Yeah, very very interesting. So, I mean, uh, do you want to hold off on talking about the scenarios till we get through the B blocker? No, no. Let's go ahead and talk about the A block scenarios. So, okay. Tanahashi, JY, and Okada are still alive, heading into the block finals. Like we mentioned, Tanakashi and Okada will be facing off at Budokan Hall on August 10th. Jay White's facing Evil. So if Tanahashi beats Okada or draws with him, Tanahashi goes to the finals. For Okada to get... Not necessarily. If Jay White has the same points as Tanahashi or Okada mm-hmm. at the end of the tournament, then he wins. Right, but with Tanahashi beating Okada or drawing, even if Jay White wins, he's not going to get as much points as Tanahashi. Oh, that's right, because Tanahashi will be at 15 points, he'll be at 14. Right. Gotcha. Um, And so for Okada to get through, he has to beat Tanahashi, and Evil has to beat White. Because you mentioned White holds a tiebreaker over both of them, so he needs to beat Evil. And Okada has to beat Tanahashi for Jay White to go through. So it was very interesting that, you know, the two guys fighting for leadership or chaos, they're really relying on each other here to get through um, to the finals. Yeah. So, I mean, um, now the more interesting thing is if Tanahashi loses and then, um, you know, you have Okada with 14 points. Mm hmm. And Jay White also wins, then Jay White goes to the finals. Right. And that would create a scenario where it's like, you know, basically Jay White being like, hey, thanks for the win, bud. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the win, bud. Because thanks for getting me in. Yeah. You got me in. Go ha- go take a seat and watch, <laughs> watch me wrestle the, these finals. Right. Um, which is very interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, at this point, like, now if, if uh, Jay White loses, or draws, then it's a much more interesting scenario because then you've got like let's say let's say him and Evil go to a draw, right? Right. Now he's got one point. Now he's at thirteen. He'll be at thirteen. Mm-hmm. 
Now, if those guys were to hypothetically draw, he wins. You know what I mean? But if if Okada wins, then Okada... Well, well, no, if Okada and Tanahashi draw, Tanahashi would get 15. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, really, like, it just comes down to basically either Tanahashi's going to win and go to the finals. Right, so yeah. Or, depending on the outcome of the uh, the match with um, Evil and Jay White, that kind of holds the fate of uh, Okada. Right. So I don't have the uh, the match listing, but I'm pretty sure that Okada and Tanahashi is the main event um, for that night, for that uh, A-block final night. Yeah. So do you want to talk about your predictions? So, yeah, I mean, I'm predicting um, Tanahashi going in, man. I think I think Jay White will beat Evil, um, and then Tanahashi is going to beat Okada. I think so, too, man. And Tanahashi is going to, I, to the finals. Although, it, it, it is, they booked this in a way that it's so well done to where any three of these guys could go to the finals, and I would not be that surprised at all. Uh, with Okada, you have this redemption story of him trying to find himself, recollect himself, fix whatever's broken after he lost the title. You have a redemption story with Tanahashi. You know, they did the swan song match between him and Okada earlier this year. It's kind of like a final last hurrah. And then all of a sudden, the ace is back. And he, he here he is, out of the blue. And he might be going to, you know, the finals. Right. And then you got Jay White, this sniveling, conniving, cheating weasel. Heel. He's weaseled his way into this position, and, and the world is his. And any one of these guys... I. I'm very. I'm. I really don't think Okada's going to the finals. To be honest with you, I am very torn about Jay White and Tanahashi. Mm. But Tanahashi's my pick, and I. I think originally your pick was what it. It was Okada for a yeah, long time. Yeah, right? for yeah for a long time. I mean, my G one pick him. Yeah, I had Okada for the A block, but now yeah, to me honestly, I, I think it really comes down between Tanahashi and Jay White, or the two guys that are going to go to that A-block final, but I'm leaning more towards Tanahashi. Yeah, where we stand now looking at things, I think I think it's Tanahashi's. Um, I think it makes... Now, if they put Jay White in that position, I think it, it would be fantastic, and you know, there are probably people who would groan because they're like, oh my god, you know, they expect like a five-star match, and maybe we will, maybe we won't get that out of him there. Mm-hmm. But I think with Tanahashi... The implications of him potentially going to a uh, Wrestle Kingdom main event are like, wow, that's kind of like a staggering I know, idea. Especially because, you know, we all th- we think that uh, he's kind of like not he's not the top guy anymore. Like that's Okada, Okada finally beat him in their rivalry and he's supposed to be kind of in the rear view. But here he is like yeah, hitting, hitting the gas pedal coming back forward. I think one of the reasons, too, that I'm. I have other reasons, and I'll get into it, why I think he's going to win. But one of the biggest reasons, before even divulging that, is just the fact that he just wrestled Okada earlier in the year. He took that loss. You know, they did that fantastic match, and then it was kind of like the goodbye. And now you've got a totally different Okada sitting right in front of him. And it's like, you're telling me that Okada's going to beat him again a few months later after, you know, within the current state that he's in? I think that that would be the wrong way to go. Right. Unless you're doing it to elevate Jay White. 
Um, but I think in this scenario, Tanahashi's the way they go. Yeah, same here, man. It's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting. So let's go to – we got two nights to discuss for the B block. So, yeah, uh, let's get on to this, this B block, man, where, where all the snowflakes are at. <laughs> <laughs> so um, who, who are we starting with in the B block? Who's so at the, at the bottom we have Toru Yanu with two points. It's very and, interesting. And it's funny because, you know – I was actually I was making fun of uh, Rich because in his G1 pick'em I think he he only gave Yano like two or four points and I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like Yano has had like eight to ten points like every year. Like he's gonna get a lot of upset. He's gonna like beat people. And now I look like the fool this yeah. year because uh, very similar to Taguchi this past year where this was you know and there's several guys like that in in the tournament this year where you expect them to, to perform at a certain level. And, you know, now with that being said, Toriano is probably having his best G1. Yes, he's, he's having had. his best performances. And I mean, because, you know, there's the whole storyline about him wanting to wrestle clean. And so he's been using more of his amateur wrestling background, which have made his matches way more enjoyable. Like literally every time he hit the belly to belly, I popped. Yeah. I, I saw it the first night, but literally every time he hit the belly to belly, every time he shot a single leg, he hit a fireman's carry, um, you know, some kind of crazy pinning combination, I, I popped. And I, that really got me into these Yano matches. And like we said, this is probably one of the best, is one of his best performances of the tournament. Um, and, you know, during this time period, who did he wrestle? He um, So he wrestled um, Tetsuya Naito, Naito on August the 1st, and then on August the 4th, he had that legendary classic match with Sonata. Oh, my gosh. That freaking <laughs> Sonata match, bro. Literally, that's like LOL moment of the year right it's there, man. one of the man. funniest matches I've ever watched. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and first of all, I'm like... So Yano jump zones this man on the ramp, and then the ref starts the match, and they haven't even gotten to the ring yet. It's like, what, what's going on there? But then, yeah, then from there, like, all heck is broke loose, and Sonata's, like, tying this guy to guardrails, putting him in the paradise lock, the bit with Rocky, and, like, Yano's like, Rocky, Rocky, called Rocky <laughs> over to get him out the paradise lock. And then, He's like, Rocky, like, Kevin Kelly's like, Rocky, what are you doing? Where are you going? He's like, I'm going to help him. Yeah. He's like, no. i got to help my chaos brother. <laughs> and then uh, Sonata puts Rocky in the paradise lock. It's like, Kevin, get Milano! Get Milano! <laughs> he's like, Milano has the key. He's the only one with the key. Get me out. And he's like, I can't go get Milano. He's like, he's going to put me in the paradise. Like, right. Kevin, um, get Milano! <laughs> so, yeah, man, the funny was thing it. was, Sonata literally put... Rocky Romero in the Paradise Lock and then put the headset back on, on him. him. Yes. So you could hear him it's the whole time. Oh my gosh. Hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I really, really, really popped for the Sonata Toriano match. Um, Sonata wins by count out, uh, which was just so funny. Yeah. Uh, the Naito match with Toriano, I mean, it was short. It was what it was. I think Naito ended up winning after, uh, like, basically. I think Toriano was going to try to, like, try to kick him low and then he ended up kicking Toriano low. Yeah. Um, there was like some ref bump shenanigans and it was what it was. I mean, it was nothing special, but yeah, yeah, no two points, man. And I, I'm not really like agree. Like I'm not like mad about it. I'm not. Neither am I seeing the block that he's in. 
Yeah. Like, maybe if he was in A block, he would have higher points. But this B block, man, this is a tough block to be in. Yeah. Yep. So, Yano, um, but he's having a, he's just having a really entertaining uh, tournament for people that complain about Yano being in the tournament. He doesn't deserve to do that. He doesn't belong there, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, well, you know, you don't want this guy getting these wins. Well, he's not getting these wins now. And it's kind of hard to kind of complain about it because he's... Uh, been just fantastic. He's really, really funny. You know, you know. Speaking of that, you know, um, so last night I I was watching Raw, and I, I put out a tweet about you know Roman Reigns had a match with uh, Baron Corbin, and it was a 50-50 match, and I was like, how could uh, Roman Reigns? Uh, how did, how does the W want me to believe that Roman Reigns could beat Brock Lesnar if he's having a hard time with Baron Corbin? And then um, shout out to Rance Morris from the Outsiders Edge kind of challenged me on that. And he was like, well, how is um, Toriano, you know, give Kenny Omega trouble? You know, how does Toriano give all these, you know, main event guys trouble? But to me, man, with his style, it's established that he can beat anybody. And he uses these underhanded tactics to, to win matches and to kind of catch people off guard. What are your thoughts on that, on him, you know, in the past beating people and him having the ability to beat world champions? I don't know, man. Um, You know, I'm not like, I don't know, you know, to be honest with you, because I'm not following that product very much. Um, For me, I feel like the nature of the booking in WWE would lend itself to this, to the fact that if you are trying to get Roman Reigns over, I guess, and make him look strong for an upcoming title shot against Brock, you would want him to defeat someone who's, you know, upper mid like Baron Corbin, Mm -hmm. I would suppose. And you'd probably want him to do it in a pretty emphatic fashion not necessarily struggle with him, you know what I mean? Right. But, you know, the matches there, they don't do a lot of, like, squash matches. So can I really criticize them? It's like, well, you know, they're a crappy product. and I, it, That's just what they are. Like, I don't care about what they do. Right. Well, okay, um, so let's put the WWE thing aside. Do you have a problem with Yano beating world champions and main eventers? Yeah, to a certain degree. But, I mean, at the same time, he's beaten almost everybody at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, with him... No one really like struggles with Yano. That's that's his thing. Like nobody like the nobody matches aren't. They're not fifty fifty matches. He might get the advantage in the beginning, and either a his cheating is gonna work and he wins, or b his cheating backfires and he loses. Or he rolls him up and it's a sneaky it's a sneaky win. Yeah, and he can beat anybody with a sneaky win because he's beaten everybody. So it is. It's one of those things where it's like he's kind of like you know a two can't beat. A two's not like the best card unless it's wild. Right. And then it can beat almost any other card. That's kind of the thing with Toriano. The other thing too is that it's so established with now I'll say this. I, I did catch what Rant said and um you know, he did say, Well, you know, Baron Corbin is a guy who who everyone struggles with and is established and it's that's fine or whatever. But I mean, I don't know. I remember John Cena kinda of whooping him pretty bad. <laughs> But I think, like, in that company, you're not supposed to really remember week to week what's happened. I think that's my biggest takeaway is, like, in that company, what happens week to week really doesn't matter. They write their show on the fly. Nothing's booked out in advance uh, hardly ever unless it's a Roman Reigns-WrestleMania match. Like, (laughs) it it is what it is. Whereas in this company, the characters are so well thought out. They're so, you know, developed that, you know... 
this sort of thing can be explained and it's logical. The other thing too is Big Match Kenny ain't you know have off night Kenny who wrestles Toriano. Right. You know what I mean? If 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 Big Match Kenny shows up, the, the like the Kenny that was in shape and had the training camp for uh, you know for Okada, he probably is gonna just smoke you know Toriano. If Kenny Omega just went on an undefeated streak all throughout the entire G1 and then turns around and gets beat by Tomohiro Ishii and gets his bu- his lip busted and his confidence shaken and he's tired and hurt and he's working with a, you know, a bad heel. We know all this character and story development and then, you know, and then he he has this match with Toriano and maybe potentially loses. I could see that happening. And also he doesn't have the will to win book. It all, yeah. It reminds me a lot of like in sports. Like I remember this. Uh, it's been so many years, man. I'm probably dating myself, but I think it was like oh four, oh five. The um, Patriots were on undefeated streak, and then on the they went to the Super Bowl, and I think they won the Super Bowl this year. But they wrestled the Dolphins, who had like only one win for the whole season on the last week of the of you know the regular season, and they lost. Yeah, that stuff can happen. You know what I mean? And it's the G1. Like, that stuff happens in the G1. But, you know, it doesn't, at the end of the day, like, take away from the fact of what he is. You know what I mean? Like, they're not trying to build Kenny Omega up, you know, for whatever, you know, for the next match. It's, right. it's the G1. He's going to get eliminated, most likely, because he's a champion. So, I, I do think it's apples to oranges, but... Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a perfect comparison, and I, and I do understand... Where Rance, the direction Rance was kind of come from. But. I actually, I think Rance has a great point. Like, I think the, the fact of the matter is, is like Baron Corbin is like a protected guy over there to some degree, but he is failing. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put this. What is it, Constable Corbin? Thing. They would have never put that on him if, yeah. if, if he didn't suck. Yeah, my which, whole. Which, by the way, guys, he does suck. <laughs> my whole. Uh, not, I don't want to talk about it to be that much longer. But my whole point on that thing was, we know Brock is this unbeatable monster. Romans struggled to beat him in the past. Like, I think he needs to go in that match I'll tell you being as strong as do. possible. If Brock Lesnar was in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling and they were building up Kenny Omega to challenge him, he wouldn't be struggling with Toriano or Baron Corbin. Right. That is that is true. They would not be doing that. If, uh, yeah, if they had uh, Kenny Omega getting ready to go up against an Okada or something like that and Okada was still champion, they wouldn't have him struggle. Yeah. So you you got to take it situation by situation, but it, it is apples to oranges. But at the end of the day, it is booking one on one. If you want a guy to look strong, going book him up, strong. <laughs> book him strong. Yeah, it's that simple. All right, so that's that's enough of uh, Roman Reigns. You're welcome. Vince. I don't even know why we're talking about it because <laughs> that, that company obviously is not a book. So there's yeah. it's really stupid. Yeah, just I just wanted to bring that whole Yano comparison thing. And up. I just want to say that company does not a book. It's that simple. <laughs> All that right. should be like one of the slogans, like, like you know, like we should have sound bites when when the show's like opening, and I'll be like, and I'll tell you one thing: WWE freaking sucks. <laughs> not a book. And that's those guys. And now Josh Smith, <laughs> screw WWE. <laughs> and if you don't agree with me, you can leave the show. <laughs> go, go go find some other show that's afraid of their own shadow. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I really don't care because it, it is such a crappy company at this yeah, point. It's just really, really, like, I'm just going to bury it. It sucks. So let's talk about good wrestling. All right. Well, unfortunately, the next person we're talking about is Tamatonga. Oh, God. <laughs> How many points that dude have? He has four points. How? <laughs> okay. Oh, so, I mean, um, there's not really much to talk about. I mean, we, he's a disappointment. 
it's I mean, it's pretty much in the same boat as Bad Luck Fale. Let's just take the clip from the Bad Luck Fale rant, put it in here, and then that's it. But I think the thing with uh, Tamar Tonga that makes it a little bit more disappointing is that he has the athletic ability to have better matches than he's having. Okay, so I've been advocating for a long time for them to take him out of the tag team and give him a shot, and now I'm going to advocate that you just go ahead and put him right back in that tag team and <laughs> leave him there. I'm done. Yeah, I mean... I'm done, bro. Um, the story of the undercard, G.O.D. is undefeated. They have beaten every single team that they've faced on the undercard. What do you think about Tangaloa cutting these opening match promos for these guys? I mean... Because we've said in the past that that's kind of an indicator that they've got big plans when they yeah. do that. and. Uh, Mr. ACP actually commented on our post on Reddit last week, and he had some great points where he was talking about, you know, that the fact that these guys are um, not getting pinned and not, you know, not getting, to, you know, they're just getting DQ'd um, for the most part, anyways, mm-hmm. to where they're being protected. You know what I mean? It's a form of protection. So, like, do you see them getting ready to have bigger plans for both of them going forward, especially with Tangaloa being their mouthpiece now? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see some tag stuff moving forward. Like, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a tag title match coming up at the next month with G.O.D. against the Young Bucks. I wouldn't be surprised if we also see a six-man tag title match where you have supervillains against Firing Squad. Which, by the way, the supervillains have not defended their title at all since they won that. <laughs> yeah. Like, at all. Which yeah. They they are officially the longest uh, title holders to have won the belt and not defended it. Interesting point. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, maybe you get the Firing Squad winning back the Never titles or they, they fail the win the Never titles, but then they win the tag titles. I, I definitely see them being a player in the tag team title picture going forward. As far as a singles push, I really can't. Like, he already lost to Kenny. Well, like, he didn't really do anything with Kenny. So, like, I really can't see them having a big match. Why are they protecting him? Right. I feel like they got to be getting them ready for something if they were going to protect them this much. Right. Well, definitely. I think the tag title match, I mean, the Young Bucks have been having an awesome year, and it's been a great, you know, they've had a big run with the, the tag titles and beating LIJ twice. So I think for them beating Young Bucks, that's a big deal. So I think this push, what they're doing with them, is getting them ready for Young Bucks. I think that one thing was um, when he was commenting on it, you know, I kind of had... If you go back, any of you who are listening, if you go back and you look at the forums or, you know, the Reddit posts, I had mentioned that I think that he is capable of more than what we're seeing. And, you know, there was, you know, people who kind of contradicted that and they're going to say, they basically said, you know, respectfully, I disagree at this point based on his match output. Um, you know, he can't go. is You know, and he's old at this point is what they're kind of saying. And my whole thing is this. I don't think Tamatonga is fantastic in the ring. I don't think he's a special guy or anything. I think he's super charismatic. We've talked about his attributes, his athleticism, all that. But here's my point. A guy that got produced in the dojo, I have a very hard time believing that he doesn't have a great match in him. Right. Like, I just don't believe that. I, I like, I would, it, it, somewhere down the line, this dude has to have something in him, and I thought we'd see it here. I don't think we're going to see it, and maybe we'll never see it at this point. But Yeah, uh, you know, maybe maybe he's just a good tag, tag team wrestler. No, I don't even think he's a great tag team wrestler. I think he gets to get away with doing all the bull crap he does and not right. actually work in a great match. He gets to do his athletic spots, his cool spots, be a cool heel. But, like, you know, I don't know. It kind of reminds me, like, in a way of, like, 
you know, like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash in their WCW years, like they didn't have very many great singles matches, but they kind of they'd go in those tag team matches, do their cool spots, you know, do their thing and get out of there. And it, yeah. it was easy. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that in a way. Hmm. And then, I mean, also he's been very controversial controversial in this tournament is also we've talked about all the Twitter stuff in the past and he, all, ke- he keeps uh, imitating Roman on these tours right too. with the uh, Superman punch taunt um, and then also this past was at night uh, 14 uh, after the match or was it or I can't it? remember which night it was. I thought it was uh, oh, so the, was it the under- August fourth match. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the night that he wrestled. Um, so he said he he wrestled Goto, <clears throat> and he lost via DQ on uh, August fourth, and then on August first he wrestled. And that's the funny thing, bro. We haven't even talked about the matches he's had. Right. Um, and then he wrestled Tomohiro Ishii, and he won by pinfall. Um, yeah, it was definitely after the uh, Goto match where he went to the crowd and like grabbed a fan by the throat. Yeah. So. There's this is something that just recently came out and um, I don't know he, yeah so he went in the crowd and it was an older gentleman and he got in his face I heard he choked him I might not have been paying full attention I didn't necessarily see that but I did see him kind of like maybe touch him or grab yeah he him. definitely grabbed him by the throat okay I just when I saw it I just thought I didn't even think I didn't even take a second thought about it to be honest with you because a there was no young boys around stopping him. Mm-hmm. And B, we see stuff like this in wrestling. It reminds me of when there was... Remember all that outrage when Kevin Steen attacked that fan at, at Ring of Honor when he was the champion? Yeah. And it turned out it was a plant? Mm-hmm. I was just like, there's no way that this isn't a plant. So, I, Or someone that he knew. Or someone that is... You know what I mean? Like, someone of that nature. But apparently it's not. Apparently the reports allegedly... Are saying it's not, yeah. Is that this was just a fan who was heckling wrestlers... And that he got tired of getting heckled and that uh, and got up in that guy's face and put his hands on his throat. Yeah, and so apparently New Japan is taking uh, disciplinary action against Tama Tonga for what they're calling inappropriate conduct. They released a statement on the English site this morning saying uh, New Japan takes actions taken by wrestlers seriously in light of recent inappropriate conduct by Tama Tonga, including SNS usage. The company has decided to take disciplinary disciplinary actions against said wrestlers and will issue updated guidelines to all wrestlers. Yeah, so I um I wonder if it's real. <laughs> that's that's the thing with me. Well, okay, a couple things I, I wonder. A where was this when all the stuff was happening with Michael Elgin earlier this year? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. B is this real? Um, you know, New Japan, historically speaking, is a very hush-hush company. They don't really necessarily always address stuff like this in public. And I'm wondering, was this... I just think that guy's probably a plant. Maybe I'm just being, like, ignorant. Right. But I'm like... Here's the thing. For me, like, there's only really two scenarios here. Like, it was a plant, and they're really good. They're working us. They're doing yeah, a great like, job working is, us. This is all part of a storyline. Or B... Time Tongue is just really stupid to do that. Yeah, bro. Like, I... Now, there was a time where you'd see, like, Brody and Hanson, literally, like... And Abdul the Butcher and guys like that in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, yeah like, pretty much attack fans. Like, to, like pretty much is what it was like. Yeah. They, or they might not touch them, but they'd get very close. And if the fans didn't get out of the way, they pretty much would attack them. We've talked about how I'm so bothered by Lance Archer spitting on fans. 
that really bothers me a lot. So with that being said, there's this part of me that's like, I don't think this is real because it's a freaking company full of carnies, you know? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just like, we're being worked. And like you but, mentioned, the young boys didn't, weren't right there right away to jump over there. Yeah. So that makes I me, mean, eventually they came. That but, makes me question the whole thing. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's like, well, is it just a way to get heel heat on Tama or is this real? Right. And if it's real, then we shouldn't be talking about disciplinary actions. We should be like, get out of this company. See ya. I don't care who your dad is. I don't care what your family lineage is. You're done. Yeah. You're done. And that's not even like outrage about how how guys performed in a tournament or storylines or whatever. Like, I know me as a fan, I don't want to be sitting there and have a wrestler put their hands around my throat. Right. We're going to have smoke if that happens. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, you might knock me out. You might kill me, whatever. But, like, you touch me, we're going to fight. That's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. Um, there, it, it, it's – if it's real – if it's real, then he needs to go. He should be fired immediately, and New Japan should be a sh- like literally shamefaced. Uh, you know, company talks about honor and tradition and all that. Bye bye, see ya. Which leads me to believe that this is just a work. Yeah. I could maybe I'm being stupid, but I just think it's a work, man. Yeah, honestly, I, I don't think it's real. I I don't really know where I lie on it yet, but what do you think? What do you what are you leaning towards? Like, what are your opinions? I mean, honestly, I could see it going either way. I, I could see it. I definitely could see it being a work. I mean, they made a big deal about, you know, disciplining him on the website and making this guy for they wrestling. They didn't really say what they're going to do. Right. They just said, we're, oh, we're taking disciplinary actions. Everyone's going to get new uh, guidelines for how to behave themselves online. Right. They didn't talk about him choking anybody or anything like that. And yeah. I'm like, it's probably just a work. Right. And I do also, I know you mentioned in the past that like New Japan's usually, I mean, they're usually hush hush, but now we got Harold Mai here. Like, what's he think about all this? Like, does he want to, you know, be more public about things? Hey, man, if you want to be a big company, you want to go international, you want to get sponsorship money, you want to get a TV deal, crap like this cannot be swept under the rug. It cannot even be tolerated on any level. Right. So I don't think that a smart business person could ever let this fly. I don't think it's real. That's just my opinion. I just yeah. don't. And if it is real, then they're then this company is idiotic. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that. Let's would, say it, let's say it is real. How do you think they're handling it if it's real? I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they probably are like you know don't ever do that again. And that was it. Like like you mentioned, he's ha- if, if that's literally what they did. Then this company is stupid. Yeah, because like you mentioned, Haku's son, he trained in the dojo. Technically, he pretty much has a job there for life, so they probably were like, don't ever do that again. And I don't know, man. People have done stuff before. People have done less and got fired for, for less. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it'll be interesting. Now, real quick, let's just recap. Let's talk about these matches, I guess. Uh, Tamatanga and Tomohiro Ishii. I thought that was the best Tamatanga match. That was of the one of the best Tama matches of the tournament. What I loved about this match is you had Tama just like kept cheating, kept cheating, kept cheating. You had Loa and Fale coming out. And, excuse me, Ishii just kept kicking out, kept fighting back. Like, I wanted Ishii to win. I really wanted him to win. And then kicked out of a, uh, out of a, a grenade. Yeah. 
That was crazy. That, that man was kicking out of everything. And yeah. the way he lost, too, with all the cheating and stuff, it was believable to where I was like, okay, you know, give him the two yeah. points. I get it. It's yeah. whatever. Um, I thought the Goto match sucked. I don't even remember much about it, to be honest with you. It, yeah. It really did suck. And I gotta say, so with Chaos, all of them have faced a, a Tongan and gotten jumped at some point, and they don't have each other's back. What's going on there? <laughs> I don't know. I'm at the point where I'm like, I'd be fine if chaos went away yeah i mean chaos is like to me the most convoluted uh group in all of new japan they're they're not you know we talked about bull club being ununified like chaos is almost nothing like and it's fine you know it doesn't like not every faction has to be lij eating at a family restaurant you know <laughs> yeah. taking photos together and stuff but right. at the same time it's like what purpose does it really serve at this I, point? I think for me in my mind like chaos has become more of almost like a like a training camp like yep. MMA like yeah. you represent like American top team or whatever you, you might not be like buddies with your other like people in that camp but your guys are represented by the same camp kind of thing but also at the same time it's like it's a really weird it's a weird time for chaos there was a time where what it made sense like when it first got formed and Nakamura was there but it's like you got the best friends you got Rapongi 3K you got you know Yoshihashi and the Briscoes you got, the, they're not really part anymore, but yeah, yeah, they were at one point. They were affiliated with it. Yeah, it's just kind of, and then JY. It's just all over the place. It really, really is, and it's it doesn't even really feel like anything to me anymore. Yeah. Um, before we move on, I want to say this. I don't like Tangalo on the mic. The, I think uh, it sucks. The flaming Doritos. And I all. just don't. I just think he sucks on the mic. Yeah. I don't think it's helping getting them over. I saw one night where they he said something in Japanese. I didn't know what it was, and the people did kind of. They're like, oh, but I. I mean, like, give me Taka any day, and I don't even know what Taka's saying. He's way better on the mic. Like, <laughs> I, I. Hey, it's cool. You got. You're giving Tangaloa something to do, but I think it sucks. I think everything with this sucks. Like, um, I don't even want to have like a critical analysis or dialogue about it. I know we spent a lot of time, we're going to move on, but I'm just going to say it. I think that the firing squad sucks. Um, they ruined all the like equity they had with me. I don't even want to watch them wrestle anymore. I don't care. Ooh, hot takes, man. I just don't forget. Yeah. I mean, I don't care. You, you don't want to see them against the Young Bucks? No. They're building them up for a tag run, and I could care less. I didn't care when they were... Doing well before. <laughs> now I really don't care. <laughs> oh, man. I was always like, yeah, break out Tamatanga. This guy needs to break out. F Tamatanga. <laughs> you know what? That whole FM thing, that's just reserved for, <laughs> for them. them. Yeah. They're, the worst, they're like one of the worst things in New Japan right now. Yeah. So let's, let's move on to uh, bigger and better things. Also with four points, the IWGP US champion, Juice Robinson. So, yes, he only has four points, but this guy has had a great tournament. He's had some great matches this whole tournament, and he's he's definitely been a standout for me. Um, big Juice Robinson fan. Um, definitely a guy that's going to be a top star in the future. Um, it was kind of disappointing, him being a champion um, and taking so many L's in the tournament. Yeah, well, he picked up a very big win against Sonata, which was great. Um, you know, we talked about how the storyline has been his hand, 
And then we finally saw that the bone is healed, but he's supposed to still be protecting it. He eventually, I loved the part in this match where he decided to just say, screw it. And he took off the, uh, took the cast off, took the cast off. And, and was it the left hand? Yeah. He threw the big left hand, the haymaker. Um, that was great. He picked up one against Sonata. And I think that that's a great way to kind of bring his character back and kind of protect it and say, show that, Hey, at 100%, this guy can go with anybody else. And it kind of, um, fixes some of the problems with the G1 run that he's had. Yeah. Um, and then he faced uh, Saber. Zack Saber ended up putting him in one of the nastiest submission holds. Dude, what what was that thing, man? He had him like his leg like figure four, his arms like trapped underneath the legs, and then he's like hyper extending his knee. Believe it or not, I've seen something just like that in, in MMA before, where uh, a variation of that, where basically the guy was stomach down right he's stomach down and um someone was on his back and they wrapped up one leg and then they pushed the other leg out so like almost like a splitting position and then pulled it up towards his chest and then like base almost like a banana split but like in reverse which is essentially very similar to what Zack Sabre did here where he put him in a figure four position and then pulled the leg towards his chest like over his head uh, very, 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 very nasty. Yeah, Saber was like the worst guy for Juice to get at this point in the tournament with his hand like still being hurt. Like Saber worked over that hand throughout the match and was catching him in submission hole after submission hole. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know. I feel like. Do you feel like after this is over that we just move on and kind of forget how badly Juice did in this tournament, or how do they, how are they going to handle it, or is it just going to be like he's going to have to reprove himself? Because I'm like, they might uh, just take the belt off this dude. You right. Know? For me, I think it's that such an that scenario I described, I believe it was last week on last week's show where he's taken all these L's and, and Saber, Saber clearly picked the belt up after the match. So Saber, it's pretty much clear that Saber's going to be challenging for the U.S. title. But he's lost to a lot of guys who can challenge for the title. How I would book it... A lot it, of them don't want the belt, though. Right. But how I would book it is, like I mentioned last week, is you have all these U.S. title matches and it's like, oh... Well, he lost to this guy in the G1. He's definitely going to lose in this title match. And then you have Juice be the underdog champion that wins. Like, he ends up winning a couple title matches. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of rebuilds himself that way. That makes sense. So, I mean, the, yeah, for the Juice-Saber title match, I would have him um, uh, beat Saber. Like, I would have the you know, call back to a lot of these spots. I would have Saber still attack the arm. But then eventually I would have um, Juice find a way to get the win and retain the title. Not me. I'd have Zach go in there and just freaking mop him. <laughs> break, break, break both of his hands. <laughs> retire him from pro wrestling forever then Zach goes to America and goes on a tour city from city to city taking on uh, open challenges from local jabroni pro wrestlers putting New Japan on the map and then um, you know basically announcing himself to be the true world champion the only real world champion of New Japan pro wrestling basically claiming that the IWGB title isn't even a world championship and that he's gone around the world with the red belt and he's the best wrestler in the world. He comes up, comes back in, wins the IWGP title, gets rid of it, denounces it entirely, and then the lineage starts with Kenny Omega, and that's the that's the new world champion. 
<laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm, we don't do any of that. Uh, no, actually, I like your your opinion way, way, way better. I think Juice is probably going to beat uh, Zach. I actually, for some reason, didn't pick up on the fact that he held up the title afterwards. Yeah, but um, that's cool. What if what if like Zach and um, you know, Minoru Suzuki are like the U.S. and the British champions at the same time, and then like they like cha- I don't know, have like a really cool like. The British US connection. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, no. Uh I don't know. I don't have much more to say about that. Yeah. So let's move on to Tomohiro Ishii and Hiroki Goto. Both these guys are tied at six points. As he's tar- started on top of the show, Ishii is our wrestler of the month for July. He's our MVP of the B block of this whole tournament. And this guy just had more great matches. I think if he would have beat Tamatanga, that would have been a match that, with that win, it probably would have kept him very close to the standings, but it pretty much eliminated him. Um, same thing with Sonata. The Juice win, also, we didn't discuss that, but that knocked Sonata out of the running as well. Yeah. Which was very, that was a big upset and was pretty significant. But, um, you know, Ishii wrestled Tamatanga. You know, that's probably his worst match. That and the Yano match are his two lowest matches of the tournament, which and you kind of expect from it, those two guys specifically. And then he had one of his best matches against Kenny Omega. Yeah. If you have not seen this match, I don't know what you're doing. You need to you need to watch this match immediately. Like, honestly, this is my favorite match of the whole tournament. This is my favorite Ishii match. I'm five stars on it. I freaking love this match. This was an epic war, a battle. Um, the blood from both of their mouth um, increased the, the drama and the intensity of the match. And, oh, man, this match was just... This blew my mind. Yeah, so um, I'm right there with you, man. I th- thought that this was the standout match we've had so far in the month of August. Um, very, I'm not five stars on it myself, but I'm very close. And I mean, you know, four and three quarters. I think it's one of the top matches of the entire tournament so far. Um, I think that the way they booked it, the story, the atmosphere, you know, the lead up to it, it was so incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a couple things with it. Um, one, I don't know if Tom- Tomohiro Ishii should have been the guy to get this win versus because earlier in the and we'll get to it but like you know Kenny Omega had a match against Zack Sabre and I was so sure that Zack Sabre Jr. dude so was I I said it on the podcast last week I'm like oh yeah Sabre is definitely beating Okada he's gonna get a title match at King of Pro Wrestling <laughs> and then you know with 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 Kenny going over in that match it really just seemed like okay he's got two matches left one with Toriano one with uh, uh Ibushi no Ishii we're talking about before oh, the finals yeah and in order for the there to be any intrigue at all, he can't go into the finals undefeated at this point with the way that the tournament's set up. So, that being said, someone's got to beat him, and Zach couldn't get it done. So, it had to be Ishii. Like, you pretty much were at the point where you're like, it had to be Ishii. So, for, out not in a vacuum, but just in general, that part of it, like, I kind of knew it had to be Ishii. Now, actually watching the match... You're like, oh, it might be Yano. <laughs> it might be Yano because right. of how crazy that match was. And it took you on, in a vacuum, it's one of the best told stories of the entire tournament. It took you on a an emotional, emotional ride. Um, I do like that the, uh, I don't know if you saw this, the New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, the English Facebook page. They were um, they were calling Tomohiro Ishii the Japanese best bout machine. Yeah. 
they, they, they were marketing this as Japanese best bout machine versus the best bout machine. I was like, heck yeah. yeah. My dog Tomohiro Ishii, who also, by the way, was on the cover of Weekly Pro Wrestling this past week, which I don't think he ever has been before. Yeah, dude, this guy, man, Ishii, man, just keeps bringing it up to another level. And that match with Omega, man, was just simply amazing. And he got the win. Yeah. Tomohiro Ishii uh, beat Kenny Omega, who's and, undefeated in this And this tournament. was in Osaka. Yeah. And last year in Osaka, uh, Jess where Juice got the upset on Kenny. So once again, Osaka ends up being a bad city for um, Kenny. And um, yeah, another upset, another Shaka in Osaka. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> with that being said, I just, uh, I, I loved this match. It was really crazy. It was really crazy. Like, I think uh, Kenny Omega and Ishii just have a special type of um, chemistry. Um, they had that trilogy last year where, like, their New Japan Cup match, the match after the New Japan Cup, and then the match the in the G1. G1 in USA. Yeah. Just, this is just another in the long list of fantastic matches they've had. Um, I've heard a lot of people say it's the best match they've ever had. I might not argue with that. I don't know if I fully agree with it, but I mean, it. there's probably a strong case to be made for that. The idea that Tomohiro Ishii was going to go against this unstoppable, you know, streaking legend who, you know, is undefeated in the tournament, the IWGB champion, and he has to put a halt to him to basically spoil his, you know, ask, like, because if he won this, it, I mean, it pretty much guarantees him the whole block almost, basically, you know, mm-hmm. at that point. And it was just fantastic. And Ishii stood in there. Um, I felt bad for Kenny Omega. I felt bad, and not from a kayfabe sense, from like a literal, actual, real-world sense. I mean, did you see his mouth? Yeah, man. It looked like his lip got split in half. Yeah. It was hanging. He was like dripping blood. It was hanging. It was disgusting. Um, Crap, I was just going to make a point and I forgot. Um, Bumbling. Yeah, I'm bumbling out here. But with that being said, this this match was freaking phenomenal. I was like jumping around. I was marking like so hard. Yeah. Uh, one of the best best matches of the entire tournament by far. Yeah. This is a must see. Go out of your way and watch this match. And in a way, it kind of makes Ishii because I I gotta imagine he's getting a title shot off this. That, that thank you. That's what I was gonna add, wanted to ask you. Like, do you think that? Where, yeah, we're getting an Ishii Omega title match. I would imagine so. I mean, um, he's got to defend the belt at King of Pro Wrestling, and who's he going to wrestle? Right. Do you think we'll get a title shot at um, Fighting Spirit Unleashed? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. It's at the Walter Pyramid. It's hard to say. I mean, it's yeah. really close to King of Pro-, Pro Wrestling. So maybe, maybe not, though. Yeah. If we did, I mean, I'm kind of, I don't know. I thought... I kind of thought they were going to set it up for Tamatanga, and now I'm like, they better not do don't, that. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Ishii puts himself in line for a title shot, the, the same title shot we kind of thought he was going to get a couple years ago against Okada, which he never ended up getting. Yeah. And um, this this felt, this match felt very, very special. We've talked about Ishii going so hard in this tournament, a guy who's never going to win. And, you know, but I feel like he's literally been elevated a, a whole rung up in the company based off this match yeah and based off this tournament dude i want this man to get like another like a ic run or a never run or I'm, I'm ready for him to be up there as one of the guys that when you tur- you know we are like the fans who are in the know they already know but i'm i'm ready for them to start treating him like the star that he is yeah 
I'm ready for it, man. And like, he's earned it. He's put in almost more hard work than anybody else in the whole company. Like, and we're not the, uh, anyone who's a fan of this company is right there with us. We're not saying anything that anyone doesn't know. You know, this isn't revolutionary stuff. Like Tomohiro Ishii is maybe the greatest wrestler in the world. And he has been for years. Yeah. You know, as, as Rich and James like to call him the best bad body worker <laughs> in the company. I mean, the guy's small. The guy's got no neck. Like, he doesn't have a physique. And he's so believable and so incredible. Like, this was awesome. Him and Kenny Omega, like, I, I watch it all day. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, all right. His chaos brother, Hiroki Goto, also has six. Who did Goto face these so We already talked about the Tamatanga match on, on, you know, August 4th. Not much to talk there. He did have a match against Kota Ibushi on August the 1st. Uh, it was fine. I mean, it was a good match. It was probably like close to four stars, I would yeah. assume. But uh, I don't know. I don't have much to talk about there except, for, you know, he got he lost to Kotobushi and he's out of the running basically at this yeah. point. I was expecting that match to be a little bit better than yeah. it was based off the banger that both of them had with Ishii and just with the role that Ibushi has been on. Do you think that I'm underrating Goto this year? I don't think so. Because, you know, I've I've talked many times this year about how I feel like he's not having the greatest year and how he is um, not living up to his potential. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I listen to other, you know, podcasters. I listen to other analysts and people are like, oh, this guy's having a sleeper year and he's, you know, having, you know, putting out great match after great match after great match. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I guess over the course of time over a long course of time that's probably true it's more it's probably more concentrated here in this g1 because he has had a good g1 but i feel like i don't think i would consider i mean what has he really done this year i mean he had the suzuki match at wrestle kingdom and then there was like a a great match with sonata yeah um i just remember the misses for some reason i I remember him and evil having a bad match i remember him having a bad match with uh Beer City Bruiser. Beer City Bruiser. Um, I remember his title run not really being that. Ma- Who else has he defended against this? Year? He lost the triple threat. Yeah, he and then he had, but he yeah, did have had a, a good match with Elgin. Yeah, good match with Elgin, and then he's had you know the bangers this year with Kenny Omega and then um, Gota Ishii. or Ishii. Yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't sit here and say this was a terrible year for him, and maybe in a way he's kind of starting to redeem himself. But prior to the G one, a lot of people were talking about how good of a year he's having, and I'm sitting here being like. Uh, Goto's had much better years than yeah. this year. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. But um, Goto, Goto is the never champion right in the middle of the road. I think that the, his points total in this tournament kind of indicate that. I don't really have much more to say except for, you know, he's having a good good tournament. And that's about it. Yeah. So moving on, we have two guys with eight points. We have the Cole, Cole Skull Sonata and the pro wrestling master Zack Sabre Jr., We'll start with Sonata. So we talked about the Yano match. We actually discussed both matches. So the Juice match and the uh, Yano match. Um, You know, I guess my final thoughts on Sonata is that um, Sonata has had some very, very good matches with Zack Sabre Jr., with Kenny Omega, Kota Bushi. I thought this Juice match was great. I think this has been a, a very good tournament for him. Yes. In years past, he's had high highs and then low lows and in this tournament mm-hmm. um, I would put him probably on the same level as like Okada yeah. in terms of like match quality except for you expect maybe a little less from Sonata and more from Okada and so I almost give the edge to Sonata and having a better tournament plus he's had a more varied type of style match plus that Toriano match was so entertaining um, 
if he'd been in the A block, maybe he would have had more points or been closer to the final point totals, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Sonata's been great. This has been a great tournament for him where where I've criticized a guy like Evil for being comfortable. Sonata's a guy who's, like, going for the gold every single night. Reaching that brass ring, pal. He got the big win over Ibushi. Yeah, that was a huge win in his hometown. Um, so, yeah, Sonata's doing great things in this G1. Then uh, ZSJ, also with eight points. Oof. So I love Zack Sabre, man. We talked about the Juice match. And who else did he wrestle? Uh, Kenny Omega. Kenny. Yeah. Dude, I, honestly, I was so surprised when he lost to Kenny. Uh, that Kenny match was excellent, okay? Very excellent. And I loved the story that they told. For me, I think they've got a better match in them. And I was questioning before the match even happened whether they would be a good fit, you know? Mm. Stylistically, I don't know. But they ended up being great together. Oh, yeah. I, I love the match. And, you know, it was hilarious because we, we know that uh, Rich is not down with Sabre. And he said to me before the match, he was like, man, Zack Sabre better not be out here pulling down V-triggers out of the air. And that's exactly what happened. Sabre was, like, catching uh, V-triggers in midair, putting in some mission holes, like, reversing all of uh, Kenny's cool moves into submissions, and I pretty I kind of like laughed to myself every time that happened. I'm like, oh, Rich is gonna hate this match. <laughs> yeah, I um, I I wouldn't recommend it to someone who wasn't a fan of Zack Saber Jr. I think that it's a lead-in match. Maybe I'm being like foolish here, but I think that they're they're gonna have another match at some point down the line. Um, and this is a great way to build up to that match because Zack Saber had Kenny's number the whole night. That like Kenny Omega wasn't able to do much with him. Uh, Kenny basically was able to just use his wrestling acumen and his great timing, and he got the flash pinfall victory, and he survived Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He survived him. Um, and so Zack looked very strong in that match, and I could see them being able to tell an even better story the next time they do wrestle when they have more time and they, they have a, a more epic tale to tell. And Kenny Omega's had time to prepare for, you know, a... Uh, an opponent and performer like Zach. So I loved it. I think Zach, while he might not have the highest of high level matches that everyone else in this tournament has had, like he's had one of the most entertaining and varied uh, tournaments of anybody in the B block. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been pretty solid. I would say more than solid. I would give him like a B minus. Yeah. And um, him and Sonata, even with eight points, they are they are out of the running. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they're mathematically eliminated. Yeah, that Kenny match killed him. Yeah. Yep. That was, he that's a big loss. He needed that win. That would have given him a future title shot. Kept him in the running. It killed him. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to the top three guys in the block who are all eligible to win the block. So we have Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi tied with 10 points. And then leading the block still is Kenny Omega with 12 points. Yeah. So we've talked about Ibushi and Goto on the first night and also uh, Naito and Toriano, Kenny Omega and Zack Sabre Jr. We've discussed all that. Um, we've also talked about uh, Kenny's match with Ishii on the B-Block uh, night. What we have not discussed so far is the main event of uh, August 4th B-Block, which was Kota Bushi and Tetsuya Naito, which mm. is a big, big match. Yes. Very important for the outcome of this tournament. Yes. I, I, that was another match that I 
really, really enjoyed. Uh, there were a lot of crazy spots of dudes getting dropped on their heads. Um, and I know I probably shouldn't enjoy that, but I mean, it made the match even that more intense, that more dangerous. Um, and yeah, I was really into this match, man. Abushi brought back that uh, the the German move, the uh, where he goes on the middle rope and does the dead left German into the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I love that. And Naito freaking just like accordioning himself right into that thing. Um, he had like Abushi did like this kind of like reverse like brainbuster looking move. But yeah, man, it was just a great matchup. Yeah, that was they had a lot of callbacks to their matches previously. I will say that I'm I I love, you know, 90s all Japan, but like I think we've we've kind of passed that point where we've learned that it doesn't work out for you in the end when you drop guys in their heads like that. Right. It just doesn't. Like look at Mitsuhara Mizawa. Okay, dude died in the ring. Um, you know, look at the health of the rest of them, Kawada and Kenta Kobashi and Taui, and they had long, prolonged careers, but look at the quality of life that they're having right now. Um, Dr. Dusty Williams and all that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it is something where I'm like, you know, uh, these guys nowadays, like there are people who are like, well, they're wrestlers and they know what they're getting into. Shouldn't criticize them. And I'm like, dude, like there's only so many head drops you, you can take. Right. And you can only protect yourself so much. So I thought to a certain extent, this was like one of the most dangerous matches of the whole tournament. Yeah, it was, you know, easily. Yeah. Uh, you know, for instance, um, I think Dave Meltzer gave, uh, Abushi and Ishii. No, Ishii and was it Ishii and Abushi gave it like four point seven five. Yeah, he said it was too violent. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, this was more. This was more dangerous than anything else in the tournament. And these both of these guys got their mouths busted open too. Yeah. Um, I'm glad nobody got pile drived off the second rope this time. Oh my god, yeah. Like they, last year, they went for that spot, but Abushi uh, landed on his feet. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. But um, it was it was a fantastic. I mean, it was a banger. It was a banger. It was one of the best matches of the tournament. So I mean, you can't take anything away from it. But I'm like, dude, Ibushi and Naito, you guys are these are two guys who like don't need to make their name anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're not like those. They're not like you know TLC 2001 guys that like are trying to become legends. Like you guys are there. What is the point of do of doing these head drop spots? You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. I think about, like, for instance, Omega and Okada, the first match with the Dragon Suplex spot. Oh, my God, yeah. And then, you know, they've got two, at least two other matches that many people regard as being better with less dangerous spots. Not to say that there wasn't dangerous spots, but I'm like, you can have great matches without necessarily taking those types of bumps. It's almost, it, there's no point. It's uh, gratuitous at this point. Right, yeah. But with that being said, Abushi ends up beating Naito. How about Naito has lost to both Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi? Yeah, he's lost to the Golden Lovers. So we um, are looking forward, um, and we'll talk about scenarios here in a second, but we've got one more B-Block night coming up on August 8th. Uh, Juice Robinson will be taking on Tomohiro Ishii. Goto will be taking on Zack Sabre Jr. Toriano will be taking on Kenny Omega. Kota Ibushi will be taking on Tamatanga. Naito will be taking on Sonata. The three matches that I think you really got to look at there are um, Tonga, Tonga and Ibushi, Yano and Omega, and then Naito and Sonata. And Naito has to beat Sonata to have any kind of chance of right. still being in the runnings when this is all said and done. 
And then during the B Block Finals, he has Zack Sabre Jr. Whereas, obviously, we know Kenny Omega and Kota Bushi are going to be wrestling each other in the B Block Finals. So that really, like, paints a picture where it's like, okay, Naito's got to win both of these matches to even have a chance to be in, to win the block. Right, and I, I think the most likely situation will probably get, um, get Omega... The Omega Bushi match is probably going to determine what the block winner is. Um, like you mentioned, I mean, Naito does still have a chance. I mean, Omega needs to lose to Yano, um, and then Omega and Abushi would need to go to a draw. Um, if Omega lost the next match, and then Abushi and Naito both win their matches, they'll be ti- they'll all be tied at twelve. Yeah, which creates a very interesting scenario. Yeah. Um, that being said, Omega could. If Omega wins the next match and then Abushi um, also wins the next two matches, then that creates a, a tiebreaker situation between them. Mm. So, do you think do you think Omega has to lose to Yano next? I think he does. Um, I think you made a great point about earlier about you know he's like the battle worn champion now. His confidence is kind of broken, and Yano could easily take advantage of that and get a victory here. Um, you know, for Abushi, he could lose to Tamatanga, but in that situation, he would need um, Omega to lose to Yano, and then he would have to beat Omega. And he would also need to hope that Naito doesn't win both of his matches. Yeah, it's interesting how the way they booked this, Naito as well as uh, Jay White are the guys that are on the outside, whereas Tanahashi and Okada and Omega and Ibushi are wrestling each other the final two nights in Budokan. Mm -hmm. And Naito and Jay White's fates are basically determined on what's going to happen between those matches. Now, how can Naito win? So for Naito to win, he would need to. He has to beat. So he has a saber. If he wins the next two matches yeah. and then they wrestle to a draw, then he would win the block. Yeah. But I think he. It's a very because he has lost to both of those guys. It's a very outside chance. At the same time, because it's such a protected match, right. I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, Omega and Abushi wrestle to a uh, draw. Right. So if he won his next two matches, that would put him to fourteen. And then if, if Omega and Abushi lose and then draw, that would put them at thirteen. Hmm. Very very interesting. Now, uh, I think we both agree that like, so I mean, we have scenarios going into the finals where you got three guys in the A block. You know, uh, you got Tanahashi, Okada, and Jay White, and then you've got three guys in the B block. Um, you know, Omega, Naito, and Ibushi. What What do you realistically see as being the final? To me, uh, I think the final is going to be Tanahashi and Ibushi. Um, there's a lot of backstory with Tanahashi and Ibushi. We've always heard Tanahashi saying that Ibushi could be like the face of New Japan if he would just sign like a full-time contract and kind of like stick around. And we've had that rivalry last year over the Intercontinental title where, you know, Ibushi beat Tanahashi in the G1 and got a title shot. I think it was that power struggle. Yeah. Um, so I could see that running that back and having Tanahashi and Ibushi. I think for me, the two least likely guys to go to the finals at this point are going to be Omega 
and Okada. Yeah. From each block, respectively. So I think you could do like a Jay White versus Naito. Mm. Do like the two outside guys who no one expected to both get shocked into it or one or the other. Um, as well, I could see Tanahashi's had matches in the past with both both Abushi and um, Naito. Naito, and you know the one match that we've n- we've never really had Abushi, uh Jay White against either of these guys. So that would be like if if Jay White ends up in the finals, it's a fresh matchup. Whereas with Tanahashi, you're not throwing away a match because you've already done these matches in the past, which kind of makes based on New Japan booking style that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But they could do something fresh and put Jay White in there. They really could. And, I mean, what better two opponents to put Jay White in there in a final scenario than Abushi and Naito? Yeah. And, you know, I think with Naito, if he were to get to the finals and win the tournament, I find a hard time seeing them, them doing Naito and Omega in the Dome. It's because they already did it in the G1. They usually don't run back G1 matches as dome main events. Yeah, I think I think like a few weeks or even like earlier last week, I think I told you, I was like, dude, I think they're going Tanahashi and you were like, I don't know about that. <laughs> and I was like, bro, just think about it. Like, what is the most protected match? Because Let's assume Kenny Omega will be the champion by January. Who is Kenny Omega going to wrestle that he has never wrestled that's a protect? Because like you said, at the at Wrestle Kingdom, they typically do not do matches that they've done in the prior calendar year. It's a very rare. They just pretty much don't do it. Mm-hmm. He's already wrestled Naito on in this, you know, in this block this year. He's gonna wrestle Ibushi. Um, he already wrestled Okada. He already wrestled Jay White. But this Tanahashi match, they've only had one match together ever, and it was a great match. But it was at the beginning. It was, it was two years ago, and it was at the beginning of his uh, singles run, uh, speaking of Omega, and they protected it for like two years now. And I'm like, dude, I think that's a match that would draw really well in the in the Japanese market and also be – it's protected. Yeah. And I'm like, I think, I think Hiroshi Tanahashi is winning the G1, which like when we were first talking about this, that was not even a yeah, theory. Yeah, we didn't even really think about Tana. I did not even think he had an outside yeah. chance. At, I thought he'd be in the in the runnings at the end, but now I'm like, dude, Tanahashi's gonna headline the Tokyo Dome again. The ace is back. Yeah, man. Now this might we, this we might look really stupid when it ends up being Jay White. <laughs> um, and here's the other thing with Ibushi, because of the backstory and the hype. You could potentially do Ibushi and Kenny Omega back to back. Do it in the G1 and then do it at Wrestle Kingdom, and that's there's a lot of time that will pass. So that's the one match where I'm like, they could do that again, you know? Yeah. Because of how how big of a match it is, but I think it's gonna be Tanahashi and Omega, bro. I really do. I, th- I think. I really, really. I do. think. I think. I think that's exactly what it's gonna be. Now, here's another thing we haven't really considered, and it is an interesting thought. What if Kenny Omega loses the belt between now and Wrestle Kingdom? Then it throws some of our predictions off. Off in, entirely. In, in that case, a Naito could win, and you could have Naito versus whoever beats exactly. Like Omega. If, if you do not, if if Naito were to win this, and then they take the belt off Kenny, that would make sense to me. Although they they're not really one to hop potato the IWGP title around that much you know what I mean mm. I don't think this run is going to be like Naito's run from two years ago where he just held it for one title defense I don't see that for Kenny I just don't um, unless they're planning unless 
Kenny's not resigning if he's leaving and they need to, you know, create some insurance for themselves. Maybe they do take the belt off Kenny. Mm-hmm. Maybe they do what I had been predicting earlier in the year. They end up running Kenny and Kota Bushi at the Tokyo Dome to blow off their story and Kenny goes off in the sunset and, and he makes Kota Bushi in the Tokyo Dome. I could see that happening. But for right now, I think that my prediction is Kota Bushi against Tanahashi in the Tokyo Dome, which I think would be a fan, or I'm sorry, uh, in the, uh, in Budokan Hall in the final night, in the finals of the G1. Yeah, man, I'm right there with you. And Hiroshi Tanahashi is going to become a three-time champion. Go. Three-time uh, G1, G1 winner. Go ace. Is that crazy sounding? It is. That sounds so, like, I, like I'm almost like, but part it, of me is like, this doesn't seem like it should be happening or that's what will. But then when you start looking at the booking of it all, it's like, that's the thing that makes the most sense. Yeah. Um... Before we move on, let's just talk about like, dude, the the these point totals are so different from almost any other year. Usually, you end up with like a bunch of guys with like eight and ten points, and like, you know, it takes ten or twelve points to to get to the finals. And then you've got look how top heavy yeah these these blocks are. And then you got guys like Toriyano and Yoshihashi at the very very bare bottom, like. They didn't book this at all like they have been booking the last five or six G1s. Right. I mean, a lot of guys who are used to getting a certain point average have been far below that. I mean, Evil got 12 last year. Fale got 12 last year. Makabe usually gets eight points. This is uh, why I didn't do a pick this year, bro. <laughs> this is specifically why. Remember I said I don't feel confident about anything about this G1. Yeah. Things just feel too weird. This doesn't. It doesn't feel like a normal G1 to me. I don't think I could go by, like, the history. Like, I was just like, I can't predict this crap. And anyone who's, like, doing well in those pickums, like, God bless you, because I don't even know how you would be able to. This is so off the wall. Yeah. Um, it does remind me of, like, the early, like, like world ta- – like, not world tag leagues, like, like world's strongest, uh, you know, like the MSG League or whatever, like the, the precursors to the G1s. That's kind of how they used to book them back in the day. They, they've gotten away from that. Everything's been like very – everyone's been kind of equal and moderate, kind of like what we see in the – Super – I mean the I – mean That's uh, the Super Juniors. Yeah, yeah. But they went a different way this year, and they're like, hey, these guys are at the top. They're at the top. You know, Togi Makabe, Yoshihashi, Juice Robinson, Toriano – Tamatanga, Balak Fale, you guys are at the bottom. And then you got mid-cards. It really does show you like where they see these guys in the f- scope of the hierarchy when it comes to New Japan. Yeah, definitely. Very interesting. Um, before we go, let's just take a look. So anything that you're really, really looking forward to on these last two nights? So on the last A-block night, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, Tanahashi and Okada. That should be some magic right there. That's really the only match on that entire card I'm looking forward to. I think yeah. Jay White and Evil will be very interesting because of the re- the implications. Mm-hmm. But as far as a match, I'm not excited. The only match I'm, I'm excited is Tanahashi and Okada because I'm like, okay, I don't care how bad Okada is going to be wrestling or whatever and you know how mediocre Tanahashi's been. It's, it's the ace versus the ace. Mm-hmm. It's going to be five stars, period. You know, it's going to be four and a half or, or better. It's going to be fantastic. I think on B-Block, though, there's some really, really good-looking stuff there. Oh, yeah. I mean, Naito Saber is going to be good. Omega Ibushi, obviously, that's going to tear the house down. Those guys are going to – somebody's going to die in that match. That might match. be match of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, Juice uh, and Hiroki Goto. Goto, that could be good. Uh, Ishii and Sonata? Yes. Woo. 
And and it just shows you again how how lopsided B block is to A block. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts, man. Overall, I think it's been a great G1 uh, tournament. B block has been holding it down. Um, you know what's interesting though? It hasn't, in a way, it hasn't been as good as previous G1s. Right. Like, and it's not just like oh the you know the A block sucks or oh you know the firing squad like. This has been there. There've been like these really, really high highs, and then these really, really low lows. Kind of like how the booking is. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like in years past, it's like they used it'd be like banger after banger after banger after banger, and there's been almost no nights really where it's been too much like that. Some with the B block, but but it's like the B block will put out. Oh, here's a five star match here. Here's a five star match here. Here's one this night, and like almost every B block is producing high end matches. But overall, man, I can't remember too many like. G1s where there's been so many three star and two star and yeah. three and a half star <laughs> just throwaway matches. Yeah. So, I mean, and from that respect, it's been like, it's very been top heavy and then bottom heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very interesting stuff. I didn't expect that this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ghetto uh, uh, changed some things up this year. But overall, I've enjoyed the tournament. It's been good stuff. So uh, we want to get into some news real quick. Before we get into news, do we want to talk about the Cubic Cuban uh, Civic Center real quick? Yeah, we can. So yeah. we, we went out to uh, this show on Friday night. Uh, really, man, you tell it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so yeah, this was kind of like a random show. Actually, a dude that went to my high school, who's became a wrestler, apparently holds this like, fundraising event every year where they raise uh, money for kids. Buy tickets for kids to go to SummerSlam. Um, so yeah, he booked this show and he was in the main event of this show, and it was one of the weirdest wrestling shows I've ever been to. Not because of like the matches or the content of the show, but because of the crowd that was there. So this was a fundraiser. So you had like companies that were like buying tables. You had like all these company people. You had like friends and families of wrestlers who were wrestling on the show. And plus, they were giving away free beer the whole night. Um, so you had, um, you know, people getting drunk. And um, so it was just, you know, a weird, weird crowd. I mean, me, you, and Rich were like the only wrestling fans there. I mean, there were a few others. But for the most part, um, we were like the only wrestling fans there. Um, but, you know, we saw Haku yeah. wrestle against Gangrel. We also saw other, we won't say any names, but there are other, there are actually some New Japan stars that were there, believe it or not, at our little local indie show. Um, You know, for undisclosed reasons, like we might be recording with some of them in the future. We'll we'll let you guys know more about it once we're at liberty to kind of discuss it, but uh, that was really cool. Um, And then, you know, all the boys were there, all the local wrestlers. Oh, yeah, all our Tampa Bay boys were there, you know, Dax, uh, Joey Osborne, Blanco Loco, you know, all these guys. Dirty Blondes. Yeah, Dirty Blondes. Uh, Uh, David Mercury, uh, Big Daddy. I mean, like, all these, you know, Tampa Bay guys that we've become friends with. I mean, we were kind of, like, chilling with them. I felt like we were kind of, like, part of the boys, you know. They were... I don't know, man. I was was in a different state of mind. I was kind of, like... Missing out on some stuff like I like yeah, <laughs> um, but it was it was a really fun night, but it was weird, um, and we got to help them rib a PSG. Yeah, so do you want to talk? About- 
Do you want to talk about that on the air? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All, all, all I'll say is this, because I know we got to get, get into the news, is that, um, you know, PSG, we talked about him on Social Suplex Radio with Captain Nova. Shout uh, out to PSG. Shout out to PSG, actually. Small story, I had like a business call with him um, yesterday, oh, which really? was pretty funny. But, um, did yeah. they mention that you guys knew each other? Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> was, and on the call, I was like, what's up, PSG? What did he say? And he was like, oh, what's up, Jeremy? No good talk to you again. <laughs> Oh my gosh! But uh, yeah, he actually—it uh, was funny. He came up to us after the show, and he was like, you know, he had some words with us because uh, we kind of buried that man a little bit on, on our podcast. podcast. Yeah. But I never knew that. Like, I was he, like, I didn't know he knew who we were, and I was like, you know who we are? He's like, yeah, man. I was like, you listen to our podcast? He's like, of course I did. It kept me. <laughs> it kept me up for five nights afterwards. <laughs> Bro, I forgot he said that. Oh man. He's like, what do I have to do to earn you guys' respect? <laughs> I've tried telling that story to people, but I, they're like, well, what did he say? And I'm like, I don't remember. They're like, what did you say? I'm like, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, my God. It's kind of a crazy night. <laughs> oh, but, dude, but you know what? That was actually like one of the best like wrestle events that I've been to like experience-wise. Yeah, it was interesting. Very interesting night. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Let's uh, jump into the news here. So, um, don't have everything as categorized as normal, so I'm just going to kind of run through some of this. So, um, last week, uh, Zeus of All Japan Pro Wrestling fame uh, beat their ace, Kento Miyahara, and uh, lifted the All Japan Pro Wrestling Triple Crown title, which was something that we probably should have covered on last week's show, but I kind of overlooked it. But very, very, very significant title reign or title win, I should say. For fans of that promotion, it's like a seminal moment. They've been building to this for like years and years. So, I mean, very, very big deal. I hear, I've heard nothing but good things about the match. So, if you get a chance, you probably want to check that out. Um, also, Owen Hart it was just officially inducted into the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Um, I think it's the one with Luthez and those guys, not, yeah. not the WWE Hall of Fame. So, but, uh, you know, that, that's great to see Owen Hart getting that recognition. Former IWGP, you know, junior heavyweight champion, trailblazer in the sport of pro wrestling. Everybody knows, you know, the, the story of Owen Hart. So that's awesome. Um, Another uh, interesting outside story. So WWE uh, reportedly offered over $1 million to Tommy Dreamer to allegedly close the House of Hardcore, which I thought was very, very interesting that this company is out here trying to even just shut down any semblance of, you know, competition. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you get a chance, read up on that. Um, we'll be covering this later, but the World Tag League dates have now been dropped. So we know that, when, you know, the different dates that for when the World Tag League will be coming out, we'll do some more coverage on it. But uh, they have expanded uh, the number of teams to 20 teams this year, and they're doing, I believe, 17 shows this year. So more teams, more shows. I wonder if we're going to get more, like... You know, coverage the way we did with like the New Japan Cup this year or like, you know, the G1, we'll see. Um, I'm probably going to cherry pick that tournament. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see how I honestly, feel. I mean, I, I feel like this year's uh, tag league is going to be better than last year's. I mean, especially if we get like best friends, young bucks and some other like maybe Aussie Open, some other outside teams. I think this year's tournament's going to be really good. Suzuki and ZSJ. Su- yeah. Yeah. Um, Fighting Spirit Unleashed tickets went on sale this past week. I don't know how they're doing yet. Have Apparently you- not. I mean, I think they've sold about like 1,500 so far. Wow. Yeah. And it's it's that problem we talked about, man. They're coming here too much. Like, I would have not come back for Fighting Spirit Unleashed this quickly. 
Yeah, if they if they would have ran like Boston or Philadelphia, I bet you they would have sold out. Yeah, just saying. Right. I, I mean, I don't know if that's feasible, but um, interesting stuff. Uh, Ring of Honor just recently signed uh, Joey Matthews uh, to a role with Ring of Honor, so he's supposed to be doing like writing and producing and things like that. So, uh, you know, good for Joey Matthews, former WWE producer. So very interesting. I guess we're not getting that J and J security. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Um, also, the new 10 Pounds of Gold came out this past week talking about Aldis and uh, Cody. We're going to get more into all-in news, but it looks like the match between uh, Aldis and Cody is now official for the NWA world title. Yep. So that's interesting. Um, Honor Reunited, which is uh, you know going to be running in um, the UK next month, is actually going to be on Fight TV. Oh, nice. Uh, yep. And they're also, they also have the, uh, the listings for the International Cup Tourney, which will be taking place over the Honor Reunited Tour. So, you know, definitely want to check that out. Um, King of Sports, which is the New Japan Pro Wrestling mobile game. The full game has now officially released on every single platform. So you can get it on your Android, your iOS, whatever you, you know, whatever mobile platform you use. Uh, You know, if you get a chance, check out that game. Um, Also, very interesting. So I, I read a report that stated that originally Kenny Omega was supposed to be involved in that six man tag. It was supposed to be Kenny Omega as well as the Young Bucks taking on, you know, a luchador team. And then eventually got changed to Kota Ibushi, which would, is very interesting for, because we still don't have a match announced for Kenny Omega, but they said what they plan to do with him is bigger than what they were going to do with the six-man tag. So very, very interesting stuff. I think a lot of that has to do with them bringing, putting uh, Rey Mysterio into that match. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk all in here in a minute. Uh, Ring of Honor: Death Before Dishonor uh, is gonna be is you know coming up very shortly. Uh, we actually have a match uh, that was already announced between the Elite taking on the uh, Team of Chaos and a ten man tag. Mm-hmm. Also, Liger will be uh, on that tour. Um, there was also um, a rare spotting: Kanemitsu and Kitamura, the two lost young lions. Oh wow. We're actually spotted hanging out uh, on Twitter. So what that means, I don't know. But there's pictures uh, posted of them recently. So they're in the same black hole. <laughs> I guess. They're, they've gone into another dimension. Um, Hiromu, um, out 9 to 12 months. Man, that stinks, man. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there have been more updates on this. Apparently, it looks like it is a neck fracture. But the good news is that his... The actual, like, uh, there's no nerve damage or anything like that, which is what you worry about in this sort of thing. Um, Apparently, he is able to walk and he is able to talk and do different things. Um, They say it's going to be about six months for a full recovery. And then they're going to hold him back for a few more months as a precaution before he can actually, you know, do things. So Especially for the style he wrestles that, yeah, he needs that time off. And I mean, no, I would love to see him come come back as a heavyweight. I don't know if that will happen, but I don't, I don't, if, I don't know if it'll happen. But I, I, would I think like, I, I could see him when he comes back, like being a surprise challenger for whoever has the IWGB champion or the junior title. Yeah, but I mean, um, that's great news. Yeah, I mean, that's in this type of situation with all the hush hushness of it, not knowing what's going on. The fact that we have a prognosis, we understand what's going on. That's great. Yeah, that's great. And we wish him all the best in his speed recovery. And we hope he com- is able to come back and perform at full level and stop getting dropped on his head. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, in other news, I saw a video earlier today of um, Kojima running the ropes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, it appears that his recovery is going well. The Bread Club is well in. You Let's know. go, baby. Let's get this Kojima, you know, one last run going, baby. 
Uh, someone from New Japan must have been listening to the show or listening to the complaints of fans, but they have now updated their, the way that they post results to where they won't be spoiling it for e- English-speaking fans. In the past, if you follow that page, um, literally a few minutes after events, they would post the results, post pictures, spoil that crap for you. They start realizing, oh, this is an English page. The people in the English-speaking world don't wake up for another, like, you know, don't watch this stuff for another 24 hours. Might not want to post it. Right. Yeah, I have noticed that. that I haven't been. I haven't seen anything on Instagram. Yeah, they've they've updated it. So <clears throat> now you can probably follow that page if you. I know I blocked or I unfollowed it. I'm gonna refollow <laughs> them so they won't be spoiling stuff for you as much. Um, Sammy Callahan just recently won the DDT title um, on an off. It wasn't even at a DDT show, and it was at uh, you know in, in a triple threat. So very uh, very strange turn of events there. So I guess Sammy Callahan will probably be coming back to Japan, but most likely not for New Japan. Yeah, working for DDT. Um, Skrull, Marty Skrull has just resigned a six month extension for both his, his his contracts for New Japan as well as Ring of Honor. So that's one guy that I'm assuming won't be going to WWE right away. Yeah. Uh, well, six months isn't that long. So what, we're in August right now. That's September, October, November, December, January, February, February. So? And, I mean, his, his face is all over the G1 Supercard graphics. Yeah, so he's probably a guy that's confirmed for that sort of thing. Yeah. Um... There was a report that came out earlier this week that uh, Y2J was actually heavily responsible for the turnaround with things at uh, with Impact Wrestling. And um, the report basically stated something to the effect that Don Callis, when they were considering who to bring in, they asked Y2J and they were basically going to say, hey, if we don't bring in the right guy, we're just going to close this, fold this company. And Y2J said, hey, bring in Don Callis. He'll turn the company around. And if, you know, if you don't bring in Don, you might as well just close the company. So it looks like, like... Behind the scenes, Y2J is probably like very responsible for a lot of the good fortune that's been going on over at Impact, which is very interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I think the last couple things we got to talk about here really is just, you know, oh, Kenny Omega versus uh, Tetsuya Naito from the G1 finals from last year um, from G127 is the free match of the week. Uh, one of the best matches of the year. If you get a chance, check it out. Uh, but there's before all in. There's one more New Japan thing. Um, so if you go to New Japan's uh, English website, njpw1972.com, they have a free guide for the G1 Climax 28 at Budokan for all three days that you can download. Um, and it's an important guide to help you understand all you need to know and enjoy about the G1 Climax 28 map, merchandise, how to chant. It's all in this guide, and it's illustrated guide that you can download for free on the site. Looks pretty cool. Yeah. And then, uh, so let's talk about the big story uh, to kind of wrap up the show. So all-in announcements, there's been a ton between now and last week. Yes. As well as the new being the Elite, which ties right into all-in. Yeah, so um, today there was an announcement of a fatal four-way for the women. So it's going to be Madison Rayne against Tessa Blanchard against Britt Britt Baker and Chelsea Green. Um, There's going to be um, all the broadcast details were announced for all in. Um, 
So what they're going to do is there's going to be like a pre-show called Zero Hour, which will be airing 6 p.m. Eastern on exclusively on WGN America. And then All In will start, the main card will start 7 p.m. Eastern on Pay-Per-View and Fight TV. Also on Honor Club, if you get the uh, VIP Honor Club subscription, you can stream All In for free on Honor Club. Um, so this is more an incentive for you to joining Honor Club. Um, and so announce for that um, zero hour, it's going to be the Briscoes against um, SCU of Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. And there's going to be an over uh, over budget battle royal that's going to be happening. And uh, so far, Coke Cabana, uh, Jordan Grace are going to be uh, Moose, Rocky Romero, um Ethan Page are some of the guys announced for that Battle Royal. And today... It and was we like, don't even know everyone that's going to be in it. Right. I think it's going to be 15 people in the Battle Royal. Um, it was announced today um, that the winner of the Battle Royal will get a uh, Ring of Honor World title shot on the main card of All In against Jay Lethal. Which I'm not super excited about, but... I guess that's, you know, we didn't know who Jay was going to go against anyway, so that's something that you can do there. I mean, I'll, I'll be all for it if you get the right guy <clears throat> or girl, Jordan. <laughs> What's up, Jordan? Yeah. What's up? But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I also have heard people talk about, like, well, what if uh, El Chico Luchador is in the tournament or in the... Uh, the oh, my gosh. <laughs> in, the, in the Royal Rumble or whatever you want to call it. The the all, the, the over-the-budget battle royal. Right, so that's something that I think is very interesting. We'll see how that that all works out. Um, Best friends were announced as, you know, they're going to be participating in All In as well. Right. So they'll be on the card. Um, I know there's going to be an all-out party, a pre-show party with Flip Gordon. Yeah, it's uh, Flip's all-out party uh, presented by Pro Wrestling Tees in the Sears Center parking lot. It's going to be from 11 to 3 for all-in attendees only. More details are coming soon. Where to get tickets, but there's going to be beer, music, merch, meet and greets with all-in stars, and um, a free exclusive all-out party shirt. So that's going to be lots of fun. Um, also, other matches we got, um, we got uh, an announcement of uh, Arrow star Stephen Amell will be taking on uh, Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels. They've been building this rivalry on being the elite for a while now, with Daniels being the one to frame Stephen Amell um, for the murder of famous dick wrestler Joey Ryan. Um I know a lot of fans might be saying this is kind of a weird matchup. I mean, Stephen Amell, he's had um, that match at SummerSlam where he teamed with Neville um, against uh, Stardust. And I forget who Stardust was teaming is. I mean, my take on it is pretty simple. It's it's a spectacle. They want to get, uh, you know, Stephen Amell is a celebrity involved in this, and he's their friend. And can you really... You know, ask for a better hand than Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels to guide him through and a match. And Amel, from what I see, the, the SummerSlam match, he did really good in, and he's done some other stuff with Bullet Club after that. And he's he, done okay. He looks, I mean, for a, for a celebrity, for a celebrity, he looks a lot of the stuff he does looks really good, and I'm sure he's done some more training in between that time, and then he's in there with, uh, you know, Christopher Daniels. I mean, I expect them to actually have a good match. I don't expect much from it to be honest with you, but it is what it is. I mean, the card looks great. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it, 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 
I don't know. Stephen Amell was going to be on the be on the card one way or the other. I'm glad we're not wasting the young bucks on a six man tag with him. So, right. you know, and um, you know, if it's not great, we'll see Christopher Daniels kick the crap out of him. So that'll probably be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and so, yeah, so updated card for All In. We mentioned NWA World Champion Nick Owls defending against Cody Rhodes. We've got Kazuchika Okada defending, I mean, not defending, just going against Smarty Squirrel. Young Bucks and Kota Ibushi against Rey Mysterio. Phoenix Mandito. Stephen Amell versus Christopher Daniels. Hangman Page versus Joey Janela. The 15 uh, participant over budget battle royal. And the Briscoes versus uh, SCU. So we still haven't got Kenny yet. So, I mean, what are you thinking? At this point, to me, it just seems like the only match you can do is Kenny and Pentagon. Yeah, that's what it's looking like to me, Kenny and uh, Pentagon Jr. Um, I don't know. I'm still wondering who, you know, uh, Jay Lethal's going to end up defending against. Hopefully it's not a joke competitor. Hopefully it's someone that's great. Um, I don't know who, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, we still got... Um, we still have a lot of guys that are still announced for the card that are not even, you know, don't have matches announced yet. Right, and there's 10 more spots in that uh, Battle Royal, so, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm hoping that we get uh, they give Jay a, a good matchup. Now, I will say this before we move on. Um, card looks fine. I'm excited for the event, but I will say this. Like, this looks like an indie show to me. I know, I know, it's, I know it's marketed as one, yeah. but this don't look like a Starcade or something like that to me right. personally. Like this looks like a Saturday afternoon Rev Pro type show that, or like a super show that you would see on WrestleMania weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's my opinion. Like, um, and I, I've seen some. I think that there's been some criticism against the quality of the card, and I think it's a fair assess. I think it's fair. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people have been have been trying to put it in this like Starcade or WrestleMania kind of you know bubble, but I don't think it's it was ever supposed to be that. I mean, they're advertising it as the biggest independent show um, out there, and I think that's exactly what it is. And it, has, it does have that independent feel to it. Um, and I mean, I wasn't expect. I mean, so far, I mean, I'm very pleased with the the card, and I'm happy I'm going to be there live for this show. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, and if I wasn't watching it, I would pay. I mean, well, I have Honor Club VIP, so I'd be streaming it for free. But if I didn't have Honor Club, I I would um, pay the thirty nine ninety nine. Speaking of Honor Club, we forgot to mention. So if you're listening, this is going to drop on August the eighth. When is the uh, sale for the G one Supercard going on? Uh, ten a.m. So if you're listening to August eighth. Um, it's 10 a.m. today, August 8th, on uh, Ticketmaster. If you are a Honor Club member, you should have gotten an email with your code to buy tickets. You can buy up to eight tickets for that show. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be uh, on the lookout for that. I'm going to be grabbing our tickets for that show tomorrow. We're going to try to uh, like grab more and then sell them off. We could do that. <laughs> Um, and then the general public uh, sale goes on August 10th at 10 a.m.? Yeah. Nice. So you still got two chances to get tickets for this uh, event that's coming out. And then uh, you want to talk about being the elite? Yeah, being the elite. Um, trying to remember what all happened this week. So I know we got the announcement. Of, we saw that they had like the Stephen Amell video where they announced the Daniels match. Um, what else happened on this week's being the elite? 
Um, you know, man, I wasn't having the greatest day. I watched it yesterday, um, and I, I'll be honest, like, there was the only thing that really caught my eye that I thought was super interesting was just some of the all-in announcements. Um, you got a lot of stuff with, oh, well, obviously the, the Young Bucks are doing a lot of trolling Oh, right yeah, they were at a full sale, and they were like, thank you, Florida. <laughs> Orlando, Florida. <laughs> Upstate New York. They're like, yeah, so we're here in uh, Connecticut. Yeah. They were, we're going to be going to New York. They were like hitting like all the WWE, like and hot then markets. And we'll then be going to Florida. Yeah. And they're like, thank you for all these different places, but especially Florida. Orlando, Orlando Florida. Florida. <laughs> um, so they're definitely like teasing the fact that they might, you know, potentially be signing down the road with WWE, or at least, you know, obviously that's the rumors. And then uh, Skrull was, um, he's wearing a, I'm a heavyweight tank top. Yeah. And uh, they had Jack, Jake Hager in there. Yeah. He's like, you're wrestling Okada. You're so screwed. Um, they also had um, the stuff with, uh, you know, Kenny and Hangman and basically with Hangman. Oh, yeah. To give give the book, book back. back. Yeah. And Kenny was like, dude, but I just lost my match. Like, I really kind of need that book back. <laughs> like, didn't, I, didn't you hear me when I said I would literally kill somebody for this book? And it's then, like, yeah, we're not going to really, like, take a human life for that, are you? He's like, I'll kill. I don't care. He's like, I'll kill. It's like, I'll kill you, Kenny. I'll kill you, Chase. And then, uh, like, off in the distance, it's you see you like, give him the freaking book back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, shut up, man. Give him the freaking book back. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty funny. Uh, and then, you know, they, they announced the matches. They also did the announcement of the um, the broadcasting of of you know all in which we've been wondering how this is going to be broadcast yeah what methods and now that we have those announcements it's getting it's becoming real it's becoming very exciting yeah also um, there was uh, SCU was in um, Universal Studios in LA again yeah. and uh, Scorpio Sky saw Joey Ryan he was the only one out of the three and so even though they were in SCU he, he couldn't say it man he was he was you know distraught that he saw Joey Ryan I mean, they went to their funeral. I mean, this guy's supposed to be dead, and here he is just walking about. Yep. But, I mean, I didn't think this was, like, the funniest episode in the world or anything like that. I thought it was a great way for them to kind of promote some of the stuff that's going on. And uh, we'll see. I mean, Joey Ryan, went, I'm assuming he's got to – I'm assuming Joey Ryan has to be involved with All In in some capacity, and so does Flip Gordon still. Yeah. Which, by the way, I'm not excited about Cody and Nick Aldis. I'm just going to say it. Dude, what if Flip gets into the Battle Royal? Who cares? Flip versus Jay Lethal? I don't care about that match at all. <laughs> they were they had a whole story in place for him and Cody, and they didn't pull the trigger on it. Now I could care less about Flip Gordon. <laughs> Flip Gordon's just the dude who gets like punched in the dick by like Bully Ray. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, man, we got... Uh, Plane tickets booked. We gotta get our our staying location booked. Um, we still need to find Friday AAW tickets. Yeah, guys, we haven't heard anything from anybody. Please, someone help us get AAW tickets for Friday, man. What are we doing? But, but that, I think that's gonna do it for the show. Yeah, man. So next week we'll be back with, I believe, what's the is that the last of our G1 climax coverage? Yeah, yeah bro, the G1's over. That's crazy, man. Yeah. yeah, we'll be back with the last few nights next week. I'll be uh, glad when it's over. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I need my life back. Yeah, we, we might bring in a, a third man to uh, analyze uh, the final nights of G1. So stay tuned for that. I've been in contact with our man over in Japan. He's in Japan right now. So 
I gotta get you connected to him. Yeah. Well, so my friends could be your friends. <laughs> we could all be friends. <laughs> so thank you again for listening to another episode of Keeping It Strong Style. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. Social Suplex at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. On Reddit, I am the Pro Black Guy. Josh is Keeping It Strong Style. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex. Suplex Podcast Network, One Nation Radio. It seems like James Boyd is back. The duo is back together. Rich Lada and James Boyd on One Nation Radio. Check out all the great stuff that they're putting out there. The Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. We have the Outsider's Edge. Oh, actually, speaking of Ricky and Clive, as of right now, it sounds like I'm going to be on their uh, SummerSlam review episode um, in a couple what? weeks. So you guys can check that they out. Gave you an invite for the SummerSlam show? Yeah. They just made the list. <laughs> so, well, they, they, man, they know they know how you feel about uh, WWE. I'll come on the show. I'll bury that crap. It'll be fun. <laughs> uh, Outsiders Edge with uh, Rance, uh, Carl, and Kyle Morse. And uh, Grown Men Watch This Shit, our independent wrestling podcast hosted by... Um, Jeremy and Chris Bryan so yeah check out all those great shows don't forget to subscribe leave a rating and review help us get over until next time goodbye and good night bang thank you for listening to keeping it strong style we'll see you next time see you next time see you next time Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.